Track Smack with Don Hall. Smackcast. Hey everyone, this is Mike Haig from Race Day San Antonio, and welcome back to another edition of Track Smack here on TrackSmackRadio.com. Today's show is a Smackcast edition, and we are going to give you the preview from the Media Day event that was took place today with the NASCAR drivers that made the playoffs. We have the audio from Kevin Harvick, Eric Amarola, Brad Keselowski, Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, and Kyle Busch. Those are the interviews that was held on day two of Media Day for the NASCAR Cup Series drivers. Now, if you missed it, on yesterday's show, we featured the press conferences from Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, Austin Dillon, Cole Custer, William Byron, Kurt Busch, Matty D., and Clint Boyer. You can hear that at TrackSmackRadio.com. Be sure and check out the archives if you missed that show. Now, first up, we're going to hear from Kevin Harvick. Here's what Kevin had to say. Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started this morning with Kevin Harvick. And we are going to go ahead and start straight in the questions. And we'll start with Jenna Fryer. Go ahead with your question, Jenna. Wow, I'm early. Good morning, Kevin. Um, or afternoon, whatever it is. Um, you you raced at Darlington. Uh, you won Darlington with no fans. You've talked before about the atmosphere and how weird it is. NASCAR is not going to open the infield or, or add more access until there's a vaccine or different restrictions. How much does that change the feel of races um, with or without fans? They just aren't the same events that, that NASCAR races are typically known to be. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think everything has changed, and I think our events are probably, um, you know, better than than what most people can possibly imagine at this point. So, you know, I think you have to be careful in, in how you how you phrase that and, and how you put that because in today's world, our events are you know pretty pretty good compared to what you see in in other sports. So, you know, our events are are starting to have fans migrate back into the grandstands and different portions of the racetrack from a camping perspective and you know I think as as you look at what we do um, you know we're in a very very fortunate spot to be able to go back to the racetrack and and work and do the things that um, you know that that we love to do on a weekly basis so our environment is is um, you know for for what we've been used to at home and the things we can and can't go do and, and being able to go to a sporting event safely is, is pretty extraordinary at this point. Thanks, Kevin. Yep. Our next question will come from Bob Pockers. Go ahead the question, Bob. Yeah, Kevin, um, I'm curious if you're taking any, even any extra precautions as far as trying not to get COVID considering the impact it could have on, you know, a playoff run. And if you feel drivers, I mean, will a driver even go get tested unless they're, uh, having severe symptoms. Well, Bob, it's it's changed my whole life, um, my family's whole life, and in, in the way that that uh, we do things. I travel by myself. Um, I drive in a rental car by myself. I go to the, you know, I go to the motorhome by myself. I get back, <laughs> back in the rental car, and I I go home. Uh, we don't go to the grocery store. We don't go to, um, you know, really any any social events uh, anywhere. So, you know, my, my son doesn't go to school. He's now homeschooled. So there's, there's really nothing that this whole situation hasn't changed in our family's life in order to try to create the safest environment uh, that, that we can possibly create, um, you know, in our own little bubble, I guess you could say. So it's been, uh, it's touched 
pretty much every portion of our life uh, trying to create that environment um, to be as, as safe as possible and, and do the things that, that we've done and learned throughout the year. Um, you know, I think the protocols and things that, that NASCAR has put in place for us at the racetrack, you know, some may think it's uh, excessive or over the top, but, um, you know, I think when, when you look at, you know, the situation that we're in and, and trying to get back to work, trying to keep working, trying to, um, you know, trying to um, go by every state's and every state's uh, guidelines and county guidelines and, and, you know, make everybody happy. It has to be extreme. So, you know, I, I'm on, I'm on the side of the fence that, that, um, you know, I would rather be overly cautious in, in trying to make sure that we do the things that are required uh, to keep racing. And, and, you know, I like going to work and I like doing the things that I get to do on Sunday. And, and, you know, we're trying to, to do our part in making sure that we follow those uh, procedures and guidelines. Thank you. Our next question is going to come from Jason Brown. Go ahead with your question, Jason. Thank you, Matt. And Kevin, thank you for your time today and congratulations on just what's been a terrific season so far. Your teammate, Clint Boyer, talked about momentum, and that's a real thing in the playoffs. Obviously, you and Denny Hamlin certainly have had the most momentum coming into the postseason. I'm just curious your uh, take, your opinion on how, how important it is to still build momentum in these playoffs. Uh, you're not going to start that now. You know, we, 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 uh, we, we've tried to um, four or five years ago, we sat down as a team and, and really – you know, tried to figure out how we could playoff race every week. It, it can't be, there's no, there's no switching gears um, from that, from that mindset into a different mindset. You know, um, you know, that, that there's going to be teams that bring. I got a, uh, a curious eight-year-old that wants to know what's going on. Um, but, you know, I, I think for, for us, it really, That is as far as is how to race in, in playoff form on a week to week basis um, and do that as a team at, at that level. And, and I think that's, you know, for us has worked very well uh, because when we get to the playoffs, it's not, you know, how do we switch gears into playoff mode? It's, you know, keep doing what you've been doing at that level in order to continue that uh, going forward. So um, momentum comes, you know, in, in different waves. Obviously, you know, we've been fortunate to have great momentum throughout the year and, you know, have been able to capitalize on the weeks when, when we've had great race cars and, and the weeks that we haven't, we've made, you know, great finishes or decent finishes out of, out of what we've had. So, you know, I think um, momentum is real, but it comes and goes. And, and, but starting the playoffs can't be, you know, is, is not, our theory is, is not that you change gears and, and try to do something different. It's you better be ready and have already been in that mode. Our next question will come from Jeff Gluck. Go ahead with your question, Jeff. Hi, Kevin. I'm wondering if uh, you think there's a dark horse or a surprise team uh, that could make a run in these playoffs. Um, there always will be. I, you know, I think as, as you look at the competition level, and, you know, I think this year could be a little bit different just because of the fact of, you know, I don't think manufacturing can keep up with engineering with the way that the, the shops have to work. And I think a lot of the planning – especially for guys that felt like they were going to be, um, you know, in the playoffs, you know, I think that, you know, waiting on the cars and things that, that might cycle around for the playoffs 
uh, will be different just because of, of, of the way that we've had to work. So, you know, I think it's, it's up in the air, obviously, you know, everyone's waiting on Kyle Bush to, to knock down that wall. Uh, we all know that he can, he can win on any given week and, and know that uh, he's had a lot of bad luck this year. So I think, you know, it, it, but it could be, it really, it really could be anybody that, that goes on that type of run with, with the situation that we're in. Thank you. Our next question is going to come from Kelly Crandall. Go ahead with the question, Kelly. Thank you. Hi, Kevin. Given what 2020 has been with the pandemic, the restrictions that you guys race under team rosters, no practice, no qualifying, every variable that's been thrown a team play this year, what is a championship in 2020 going to mean to a team just given how they've had to get there and the challenges they've had to basically overcome to get there? Yeah, you know, I think obviously, you know, for, for us, um, and, I, and you guys have heard me talk about this before, uh, we're week to week on, on trying to be competitive week in and week out. It would be great to win the championship, um, you know, it's, it's, but it's hard to put together that, that one week and let alone 10 weeks of, of the playoffs in order to just get yourself there. So um, our, our biggest focus is, is trying to be competitive week in and week out, win races, which, which we've done. Uh, over the first 26 weeks, and, and that's that's our goal to continue forward and, and do those things. Um, so, you know, to to have it all come together like it has uh, says a lot already about our organization and the things that we've been able to accomplish in, in, in extreme circumstances. So, you know, winning a championship in, in this particular year would say a lot about the people. Uh, but But being able to be competitive week in and week out and win races, um, you know, says a lot about the people already. Thank you. Our next question is going to come from Dustin Long. Go ahead with the question, Dustin. Thank you. Kevin, can you um, just kind of explain the challenge in maximizing rolling time on pit road um, and, and avoiding uh, a pit road speeding penalty? Or is it something that's a rudimentary skill because of the, the light system? I, 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 to me, it seemed, it seemed like that there's still a skill set that maybe is hidden from most fans. Am I wrong on that? You know, I, yeah, I think for us, it's, it's a lot of communication. Um, you know, our engineers have a, have a lot to do with that in the way that pit road is shaped. Um, you know, where your pit stalls are picked. To the, there's a, the, so there's a strategy behind everything. You know, and I think as, as you look at the things that we do on pit road, it's, it's just, it's really uh, the shape of the pit road, uh, the strategy of the, you know, the location of the pit stall, and, you know, making sure that, that um, you know, my gauges and things are, are set up to the way that I like them and, and something that, that works for, for me and our team uh, to be able to, to maximize that. So it's, it's just like anything else. You want to maximize uh, everything that you do on pit road, but there's, there's a lot of little details that, that go into to making that happen. Thank you. Our next question is going to come from Mark Garrow. Go ahead with the question. Kevin, I was just wondering your thoughts on back-to-back -back short track races here in the opening round of the playoff and what kind of cutoff race you think Bristol will turn out to be? Um, you know, look, here, here's the thing. You know, I think as, as we've gone through uh, the playoffs in, in the past, any of these races can turn into a wild, crazy um, race that that is is the race that that you all dread um and and any of them can do that so i think as as you look at the you know the, the first round uh this year has has obviously um 
you know, been very different already. But I think when you look at the schedule and, and the things that are happening with the schedule, you know, it, it's, um, you know, it definitely has, has shook things up to be able to um, have those short tracks come into play. And, and as you guys know, on those short tracks, you know, there's a lot of beating and banging and, and situations that, that could uh, definitely affect what we do, but that could be any race. And, and I think as you look at, you know, the, the, the first round, it's obviously very intriguing from, you know, especially when you go to Richmond, uh, a racetrack that we haven't been there uh, this year. And you kind of have to take a guess at, at uh, what you need to do. It's a high wear racetrack, you know, from a tire standpoint. So getting your cambers and things right is, is going to be, um, you know, a little bit tricky. So, yeah, you know, I think as, as you look at the playoffs in general, though, they're, you know, they're, the way that they're set up, uh, you know, it's intriguing as you go through every round just because of the fact that you have different racetracks from the year before. Uh, but there are also, you know, racetracks that, that can be, um, you know, detrimental to, uh, you know, finishes and, and gaining points because of, of the style of race or uh, the situation that it could create. Thank you. Our next question is going to come from Dustin Albino. Go ahead with the question, Dustin. Yeah, Kevin, kind of off that, uh, the second stage of the playoffs, the second round has both the Roval and Talladega. So how unpredictable could that be? Uh, it's just like I just said, you know, that they're, they're all uh, can be unpredictable and, and they all have their have their own um, unique situations that, that could be uh, detrimental to uh, the things that you're trying to accomplish. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're pretty easy to read in. All you got to all you got to do is look at the schedule and, and understand uh, the type of race that they are. And, and you're right. Thank you. Our next question is going to come from Koki Riley. Go ahead with your question, Koki. Hey, Kevin. Um, so what was your reaction when you heard the news that the, the Cup Series championship would be held in Phoenix? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, for, for me, the first reaction was, man, we didn't run very good there last year. Uh, second reaction was, um, you know, we've had a lot of success there in the past. And, and when we got done with the first race, realized that we were back on track and, and you know, capable of, of being able to win races and, and uh, be competitive there this year. So, you know, obviously Phoenix for me is, is uh, you know, kind of like a second home racetrack just because of uh, all the races that I've been able to run there and participate in and have a lot of fans that have watched me race there since the mid-90s. And, and, you know, it's a place that I've gone uh, to watch races for a long time. So uh, looking forward to, uh, to being able to uh, see how it all plays out. And, and you know, hopefully, hopefully we can have some success there like we have in the past. Next question will come from Steve Schweitzer. Go ahead with your question, Steve. Thank you, Matt. Uh, Kevin, uh, the series has seen a lot of changes this year with uh, obviously no uh, qualifying, no practice, um, doubleheader weekends. How many of those things uh, do you see being incorporated uh, um, into the non-COVID uh, world going forward? Well, you know, I think that the most important thing to me is, is that we have a healthy sport. And, you know, I think a lot of that is going to be left up to, to NASCAR and the teams just because of the fact, uh, you know, we, we, we have to come out of this pandemic and, and situation in learning something. And, you know, I think efficiency and, you know, what that brings from a financial standpoint, you know, is, is definitely something that I think everybody is, is calculating into the equations. But we also need healthy racetracks and we have to have, you know, opportunities for the fans to come to the racetrack as, as we move forward. So there's a lot of information that, that is coming out of the season that we are in. 
And, you know, in the end, you know, the most important thing is how do we get the race teams through this with the way that we have to work uh, in, in the race shop, obviously, you know, with North Carolina and, and the, and the rules and things that, that we have here and, and having most of the race shops here, you have to be able to work within those guidelines. So, you know, I think as we go from, from racetrack to racetrack, we, we've learned that, you know, if, if, if things aren't going to work out in a certain location, we can go to a different location and everybody's been very open to that and, and uh, navigated that very well. So um, there's a number of things that uh, I think everybody has been wanting to try in the past with double headers, midweek races, one day shows. And, you know, I think that we've all learned that practice and qualifying are really not that important to um, what the outcome and what the race looks like on, on Sundays or Saturdays or whenever that race is. So, uh, there's there's definitely some things that that have to be considered going forward, um, because in the end, I, I don't I don't believe we're in a much different position of where we can race and how we can race and who can be there and who can't be there when we start next year. Thank you. Our next question is going to come from Alex Andreev. Go ahead with your question, Alex. Hey, Kevin. Um, you you mentioned sort of the difficult season that Kyle Busch has been having, but then also kind of the need to have consistency and momentum going into playoffs. So I, I'm wondering how difficult it is to kind of have a season like he's had and then be able to turn it around for playoffs. I mean, does it feel like that window's closing almost? Uh, I, I, I don't know, you know, what their thought process is or how they approach things or, you know, what the demeanor of the team is. There's just so many things that, that you know, would have to go into that equation. I can only relate to uh, the things that, that, you know, I know how we would approach it as a team and, and, the, and the open mind uh, that, that we would all have and, and kind of, you know, creating that, that reset button, you know, that we talked about earlier of us not wanting to have. Sometimes you have to, you know, reset the rules uh, for yourself if, if you've had a bad year. Um, but, you know, you have to be in it to win it. And, you know, I think as, as you're in the playoffs and, and doing the things that, that everybody else is doing with a, you know, with a fresh set of, of point standings and, and the elimination uh, that, that comes along with uh, every three weeks, you know, there's still opportunity there. So, you know, a lot of that's going to come down to, you know, how their cars perform and how much better they're going to be, you know, with the playoff cars compared to the regular season cars and, and, you know, and, and really how it's approached from a, from a mental standpoint and, and, and uh, you know, how much they can, they can leave everything behind them. So it's hard to tell in, in somebody else's situation, but I, I know for us, uh, we would, we would definitely uh, be letting it all go and, and trying to hit the reset button to get started on a, on a fresh season that, that could make your whole year. So uh, he, here's the, here's the bottom line with Kyle. I mean, he broke his leg, came back, missed, nine, 10, 11 races, whatever it was, and won a championship. So it's not like they haven't been in, in some sort of situation like this before. Our next question will come from Scott Chansey. Go ahead with your question, Scott. Kevin, considering this Southern 500 is at night and the race you want to maze during the day, is this a totally different Darlington this weekend that you're going to experience compared to May? Um, I guess we'll just take May and combine them because we ran one in the day and one at night. So. Um, it shouldn't it shouldn't be that much different, um, other than the fact that we're going to start the race with, with um, you know a couple other divisions already having having been on the racetrack. So we, we've been on both sides of of, uh, of daytime and nighttime, um, you know from the from the two races at the beginning of the year. Our next question is going to come from Davy Segal. Go ahead with the question, Davy. 
Hey, Kevin, have you and Denny conversed with each other at all about the weekly battles you guys continue to have and reflect on that at all? Or has it been more so just focusing on yourselves and your respective race teams throughout this season? Yeah, it's just, you know, really been focusing on, on our own race teams. And, and, you know, I think everybody's, everybody's aware of, of where everybody is and, and who's doing good and who's doing bad. So, yeah, it's definitely not, not something that, we're, that, we, that we've been calling each other up and saying, hey, what do you think? Um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's the, it's the distance, um, understanding of, of what each other's doing and, and who's, who's doing what, and, and just trying to do the best you can for your team. Thank you. Good luck. Our next question is going to come from Eric Smith. Go ahead with the question, Eric. Yeah, thank you. Um, Kevin, I'm just curious, you, you hear stick and ball sports, their athletes say that the rise of the top is one thing, but remaining on top is another um, we've only had three drivers win this championship multiple times since 1999. I know you've been close multiple times. Do you feel like the fight to stay on top in NASCAR now is as hard as it's ever been? Uh, it's different. You know, I, you know, winning a championship today isn't how Earnhardt and Petty did it. You know, I think it's, um, you know, it's a much different style of, of winning a championship than, than, than what it used to be. So, you know, I think when, when you look at the point standings from, from this year, you know, you, you see why, um, you know, the playoffs were, were put into effect and in, in trying to make sure that we had an intriguing uh, 10 weeks of, of racing as, as we went towards the end of the year. So, you know, I think as, as you look at that, it's, um, you know, it's very difficult in, uh, to, to get yourself to the, to the last race of the season and be one of those four cars and trying to be able to uh, race for and, and let alone win a championship. So it's, it's very difficult. To, to put yourself in that position. And once you get there, be able to put everything together against the other three guys on one particular day, especially when it's, you know, it's been at the same racetrack, you know, every, every season that, we, that we've gone about it this way. So, you know, I think moving those racetracks and, and changing the, the venues and uh, keeping it mixed up has made it very intriguing for the fans and very difficult from a competitor standpoint uh, with navigating, you know, the last 10 weeks of the season and, and having it all work out is just, is just very difficult. Thank you. Good luck this weekend. Our next question will come from Stephen Toronto. Go ahead with the question, Stephen. Kevin, I wanted to ask you this question, given the, the Southern 500s this weekend. Uh, moving forward, as we discussed the 2021 schedule, there's been a lot of talk of uh, shortening races and maybe making 500-mile races more uh, selective. Right now, I believe there are about 10 races that are either 500 miles or 500 laps. Do you think that that number should be smaller and that 500-mile races should be uh, special and more, uh, I don't want to say more prestigious, but uh, <clears throat> do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, there's no reason that that any of any race outside of a crown jewel race is is longer than 500 miles. You know, it's 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 not something that you know is is really even necessary in, in today's day and age. I mean, the, the the race at you know I'll use Texas for example, 500 miles at Texas it takes forever, um, you know, to to run that race and and do the things that we do there. Um, and we've all learned and the fans and, and sponsors even look at it and they're like, man, this is, you know, it just seems more intense when the races are a little shorter. But when you look at the Daytona 500 and you look at the Coke 600 and um, the Southern 500, uh, th those races, you know, obviously have a different 
type of, of, of meaning to our sport than, you know, some of the other races that have been added through the years. And, and I think that the, the distance of 500 miles at, at a lot of these races is, is definitely too long. That's good. Our, Thank you, Kevin. Our final question for Kevin will come from Gabe McDonald. Go ahead with the question, Gabe. Hey, Kevin. Sorry if this has been asked before, but how would you say that Darlington really fits your racing style and what so special? Well, you know, I think the, the thing that's uh, Darlington so special is it, it just has such deep roots in our sport. And, you know, winning winning the Southern 500 is is something that all the drivers want to do and all the teams want to do. And, and they understand the significance and the history that, that comes with with winning that race. So, you know, I think for, for me, it's, it's very, you know, obviously been a, a very good racetrack for us since we've, since we've come to, um, together at Stuart Haas Racing. And, and, you know, it's a racetrack that has, you know, some very unique corners and tire fall off and a lot of, a lot of uh, things happen there that, that don't happen at other racetracks. So you have to adapt and adjust as you go throughout the run and, and throughout the day and night. And so there's a lot of things to, um, you know, to wrap your arms around. So it's a, it's a challenging racetrack. And I, and I think that's, that's one reason that it's fit so well uh, for us at, at uh, Stuart Haas Racing and, and the things that we've done on the four car over the past seven years. Good deal. Well, Kevin, thanks for taking the time to join us this morning and good luck in the playoffs. All right, guys. Thank you. We are now joined by Eric Almirola, driver of that number 10 Smithfield Ford Mustang for SHR. And we're going to roll straight into questions. And our first question today is going to come from Zach Albert. Go with your question, Zach. Great. Thank you. Um, Eric, I was wondering, there were several drivers that were asked yesterday about, you know, potential underdog or sleeper picks for the playoffs. And, and your name came up multiple times. Uh, do, you, do you like maybe being under the radar? And or is there why – why should – people not sleep on you in the postseason. Well, I'm good if they do. I, it makes no difference to me what anybody else thinks. And, and that's uh, an attitude I've had for a long time. Um, I'm the type of guy that just really puts my head down and goes to work with my race team. And that's all I really care about um, is working with, you know, Booger Avich and, and the guys on my team. And uh, what anybody else thinks, you know, I really don't care because uh, only I and, and my race team really know uh, what we're capable of and, and areas where we need to improve and, and areas where we feel like we're doing a good job. So um, I am excited about the playoffs. I do feel like uh, we have a lot of potential. Uh, we've run really well. Uh, we've made some mistakes along the way that we certainly have to clean up going into the playoffs uh, to be a contender. Um, but I do feel like our speed and, and, and the way that we've been running uh, the capability is certainly there. Great. Thank you. Our next question will come from Dustin Long. Go ahead with your question, Dustin. Eric, uh, I'm curious, um, what's your thought about the impact the choose rule will have uh, in these playoffs? It'll be on eight of the 10 races, and obviously a number of these races we're, we're likely to see a, a late restarts. Yeah, I think it's a, a good thing, honestly. I think it's nice to not be um, – you know, stuck in a certain lane that may not be an optimal lane and potentially lose spots because of it. At least now, um, you know, if you come off pit road third, this is, this is the, the ultimate scenario for me that I see is used to, if you were running fourth and you come down pit road for a late race caution and your pit crew does an awesome job 
and they get you off pit road third, uh, used to, you were like, oh man, like good job guys. But now we're going to start third on the bottom lane. Um, and potentially you could be fifth or sixth or seventh by the time, uh, that first lap is over where now, if you're third, you have the opportunity to choose, right? You can choose if you want to, um, start in the outside lane, or if the guy in second decides to start behind the leader, you could start on the front row. So, um, you know, I think having, having that option is nice, um, you know, to not just be, um, stuck in a lane because that's where you came off pit road, uh, after, after pit stops. Thank you. Yep. Our next question is going to come from Jeff Gluck. Go ahead with the question, Jeff. Hey, Eric. Yeah, Zach mentioned so far you're sort of leading the uh, the dark horse underdog conversation of guys who can make a run. So I'm wondering, aside from yourself, um, what other uh, driver out there do you think could surprise people during these playoffs? Um, I don't know. Um, you know, I think that's the crazy thing about our sport is is people get hot at different times and uh, you see it you see it happen obviously throughout most of this year we've seen the 11 and the four uh, be consistently the best cars but um, you know in years past we've seen other guys get really hot um, you know when the playoffs start and 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 go deep into the rounds and and it be unexpected um, you know I I always remember back to uh, when my boss Tony Stewart went through most of the regular season uh, running average at best. And uh, he has a famous quote, uh, you know, summertime of that year saying, uh, I don't even care if we make the playoffs. We don't deserve to make the playoffs the way we're running. And lo and behold, they, they make the playoffs uh, by points, one of the lower seeds. And uh, then he goes on to win five, five or six races in the, in the, in the playoffs and, and win the championship. So uh, it just is a matter of, of who hits it at the right time and who can be perfect. Uh, these playoffs uh, demand perfection. Uh, there's no real room for error, especially the guys that don't have a lot of bonus points. Uh, the four and the 11 basically have a mulligan per round with how many bonus points they have, but everybody else uh, doesn't have that luxury. You've got to be perfect. Thanks. Our next question is going to come from Lee Spencer. Go ahead with the question, Lee. Thank you, Matt, and, and thank you for joining us today, Eric. Congratulations on making the postseason, and congratulations, congratulations on signing a new contract. Wanted to know, was there any doubt in your mind that you would be staying in the 10 car, and how much did your new relationship with Boga have to do with it moving forward? Uh, yeah, I think my, my relationship with Boga and, and how well we've run uh, certainly played a factor, um, you know, not only with me having that, that opportunity um, again uh, at Stuart Haas Racing, but certainly with, with the sponsor. You know, they, they have certainly appreciated um, being, being a lot more a part of the broadcast, running up front, leading laps, um, and being in contention to, to win races uh, on a more regular basis. So all of that certainly played a factor. And um, I'm just so grateful to continue to build on that relationship with Smithfield. Uh, they've been a great partner of mine for nine seasons now, and, and next year is going to be going on our 10th season together. And uh, I feel like that's something to be said. Um, you know, there's very few driver sponsor combinations that go uh, that long in our sport. And, you know, I think that's a true testament to Smithfield and their commitment to our sport and their commitment to me. Uh, and then on the flip side, just, 
uh, how hard I've worked uh, to, to try and, and bring them value uh, to their company uh, in exchange for them sponsoring a race car that I get to drive. Appreciate your time. Good luck this weekend. Thanks, Lee. Our next question will come from Kelly Crandall. Go ahead with the question, Kelly. Thank you, Eric. I'm kind of piggybacking off of what Lee just asked. Since you've joined Stuart Haas and you yourself have been basically more part of the broadcast, very competitive, have made the playoffs the last couple of years. Um, has running well, has joining Stuart Haas maybe extended your career because of how well you've been running, being a contender now, and, and has it almost just maybe reinvigorated your career and, and maybe how long you plan on being in the Cup Series? Absolutely. Um, this is a performance-driven business, uh, no doubt about it. Um, you know, you, you, you can occasionally get in, um, you know, get opportunities for various reasons, um, but at the end of the day, you have to perform, and, and if you don't, uh, your, your days or your years will be numbered. Um, and so, yeah, me, me uh, joining Stuart Haas Racing and performing at the level that I have over the last three years and, and being a consistent, um, you know, playoff contender. And, uh, you know, my first year there, 2018, uh, going really deep into the rounds of the playoffs and, and ultimately finishing fifth in the points, um, you know, was, was reinvigorating for, for me and my career. Absolutely. I had went uh, six seasons before that and, um, you know, never really seen that type of success. And there's only so long you can stay in the sport, um, and be average. And that's just being truthful. So, uh, I was grateful for that opportunity in 2018. And I took that opportunity knowing that I was going to do one of two things. I was either going to perform at a high level, uh, like Stuart Haas racing, you know, I know is capable of, and I was either going to rise to that occasion or, I was going to be average and, and my days were going to be numbered and I was probably going to leave the sport. But at least at that point, I would be able to sleep at night knowing that I got a great opportunity and I wasn't as good as I thought I was, or I got a great opportunity and I performed at a, at a pretty high level um, with that opportunity. And so far, um, I've been able to uh, have some success. I still want more. I still have a burning desire to uh, win more races um, lead more laps and, and ultimately win a championship. Um, but so far we've been successful. Thank you. Our next question will come from John Newby. Go ahead with the question, John. Thank you. Eric, you've talked a bunch today about being perfect, avoiding mistakes. How do you achieve that at tracks like Darlington and Bristol that are just known for utter chaos? Yeah, you, you again, um, you still have to be perfect. Uh, you, you can't, um, you can't go to Darlington and, and wipe the right side off of it and finish 29th. Um, you can't, you can't scrape the wall and have a fender, uh, cut down a tire and go two laps down on a, you know, during a green flag cycle. Um, you, you just, you can't afford those kind of mistakes. And so you have to be mindful of that. And the same thing at Bristol, um, you know, both of those places, uh, you know, you typically run right on the wall. And so there's very little, you know, margin for error. And, you know, that, that's something that's very mindful for me is that you've got to get 100% out of everything, uh, but you can't try and get 102% out of anything um, because that's usually when mistakes happen. Perfect. Thank you. Our next question will come from Michael Shelton. Go ahead with your question, Michael. Thank you very much. Well, Eric, uh, with the Southern 500 
also comes throwback weekend and all the throwback paint schemes. And you have a special one this weekend on your number 10 car honoring Glenn Fireball Roberts in his 1957 season in which he won eight races. I know that the throwback weekend has to be special for everyone, but what does it mean to you to honor a legend like Fireball Roberts with your car this weekend? Well, it's really special. And, and first of all, I'm glad and thankful that uh, Go Bowling gave us this opportunity uh, to do this on this throwback weekend. Um, it means a lot to me uh, through getting to, to know and, and understand a lot, um, you know, about uh, the paint scheme that we're running and, and to learn more about uh, Fireball Roberts. He was from Florida, uh, just like myself, and, and he played baseball most of his early life, uh, much like myself. I played baseball uh, all the way up uh, through high school. So, um, you know, I, I feel like we have a lot of similarities. And then he had a lot of success at Darlington, which I have not. Um, so in that fact, we differ. Uh, but I'm hoping that uh, his paint scheme will bring us some good luck and uh, we'll, go, uh, we'll go run really well at Darlington in the Southern 500. Thank you, Eric. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Our next question will come from Davey Seagal. Go ahead with your question, Davey. Hey, Eric. Um, Lee, Lee asked you about Bogo, but I was curious how your relationship with him this season has developed throughout the year, and in what ways has, you, has he challenged you as a driver? Yeah, so our relationship has, um, you know, obviously grown a lot. I've worked side by side with him, you know, in, in, in the shop, um, in competition meetings, in the garage area. Um, you know, when, when he was uh, a teammate, but now having him as my crew chief, um, you know, we've grown a lot, not only as, as crew chief driver, but as friends, um, you know, we have a lot of similar interests. Um, we, he enjoys cycling. I enjoy cycling. So, um, through the pandemic, we went on several bike rides together and, um, you know, his wife and kids come over to our house and, and had dinner together and, you know, we've, we've built that sort of relationship, um, which has, you know, I feel like made an impact on, on how we perform. Uh, however, you know, he has challenged me in, in ways that, you know, I haven't been challenged before, just in the fact that he is probably the most intense uh, crew chief that I've ever had. Um, that guy, I don't know when he sleeps. Uh, I know he does get some sleep. It's not humanly possible to, to function with no sleep. So I know he sleeps sometimes, but I don't know when. Uh, he's always working. Uh, he's always, you know, he's sending me emails at crazy hours at night. Um, he's just so intense and, and he pays attention to every single detail on the race car, every single detail on simulation. Um, you know, he's, he's on top of every single guy uh, on our race team, making sure that they're paying attention to every single detail. Um, he's just so intense. And then, you know, that makes me accountable and he holds me accountable and I appreciate that. Um, you know, and, and I know, um, that he is a fiery competitor and I love that about him. Um, and, and, you know, I am, I feel like I'm the yin to his yang because I'm a, I'm a very fiery competitor, but I'm very even kill and, you know, don't show a lot of emotion. I, uh, I don't yell and, and scream a lot. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty laid back and, and, but I do care tremendously and, you know, I work really, really hard at it. Um, and so I appreciate that side of it from him. Thank you. Our next question will come from Dustin Albino. Go ahead with the question, Dustin. 
Yeah, Eric, thanks for your time. Um, you've already set a career high for laps led in top fives, and there's still 10 races to go. So um, is this the most confidence you've ever had going into the playoffs your fourth time? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, in 2018, I had a lot of confidence, and it was kind of nice because there was very low expectations for us. Um, you know, nobody – we were a new team. Uh, it was my first year at Stuart Haas Racing, and, and nobody really – paid attention to us at all. And so, um, you know, having that confidence and low expectations, um, you know, we, we, we performed really well. And through the summer leading up to those playoffs that year, you know, I, I saw the potential that we had and we went, you know, we went really far into the playoffs and, and almost made it to Homestead, uh, came up just a little bit short, but we finished fifth in the points, um, which was an incredible year for me uh, you know, pro professionally and personally. And then going through this year, I feel like, um, you know, we are performing at a higher level than in 2018 when I had that much confidence going into the playoffs. So, uh, I am looking forward to the playoffs. I feel like we have the potential. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've been all around it. Um, we just haven't, haven't put it all together uh, to, to win races, but we've been so close. We've led a lot of laps. We've run top five a lot. And when you do those things, typically uh, you'll find yourself in victory lane. So um, maybe, maybe the good Lord's just making me be patient and wait uh, for the playoffs to come. Thanks, Eric. Thanks. Our next question will come from Steve Schweitzer. Go ahead with your question, Steve. Thanks, Matt. Uh, thanks for your time today, Eric. Uh, you mentioned there's uh, Kevin, and there's uh, Denny, and then there's the rest of you. You essentially start the uh, the playoffs on the bubble for um, uh, round one. Um, in terms of strategy, are you, um, and specifically for the first two rounds, are you all out for the win, or are you points racing against the guys around you? Um, honestly, I think the two go hand in hand, right? Um, you you see it already. You've, you've seen it throughout the year. The guys that win have the most points, right? Kevin Harvick has, has dominated. Um, and Denny Hamlin has, has led a lot of laps. They've won a bunch of races and they have the most points. And so I think that's, um, you know, that, that for, for me, um, is where our focus should be. We, you can't, um, you can't really have one without the other. If, if you, if you lead laps, you're going to win stages. If you win stages, you're going to get the most stage points for that stage. Um, and if you win races, you're going to advance through the rounds of the playoffs and, and carry those bonus points uh, from round to round. So, you know, I, I think our focus is still the same. We got, we got to go and, and try to be competitive and try and win. Thank you. Our next question will come from Marty Chikalik. I have the question, Marty. Thanks, Matt. Uh, Eric, congratulations on making the playoffs. Um, just following up on Dustin Albino's question a little bit, he talked about, he asked you about the driver confidence. Uh, Cole Custer was here yesterday talking about how Tony Stewart had a virtual pep meeting with the entire team. I'm curious how the confidence level was at Stewart Haas overall as the only four car team with all of its cars in the playoffs. I think our race team is as confident as ever. You know, I, I think they've been doing an incredible job uh, navigating, building fast race cars through this pandemic um, with all the shift work. It's, it seems like our shop is, um, you know, operating around the clock uh, with all the different shifts that are coming in in different waves. We've got a morning shift, we've got a late afternoon shift, and we've got an overnight shift. And, um, you know, just 
what all the men and women at Stuart House Racing have been doing, you know, to, to rise to the occasion, um, you know, through these challenging times with the pandemic and things not being normal, uh, showing up to the racetrack with cars that have never hit the racetrack and their first lap on the racetrack is going to be the green flag for the race. You know, I think that's a true testament to the organization. Um, you know, it's, it's not about just the individual team uh, that has fine-tuned the race car throughout multiple practices uh, to get ready for the race. It's, it's really about the organization, uh, the preparation that goes in to building the race car and making sure that, you know, no stone is unturned uh, and that every detail is paid attention to uh, so that when those race cars get to the racetrack and, and line up for the race, that they're not only fast, um, you know, but that they stay together, that stuff's not falling off of them, um, you know, you're not having part failures and things like that. So, um, I'm really proud of, of our organization and, and I think Stuart Haas racing has a lot of confidence going into the playoffs. Thanks for your time. Good luck to you yep. this weekend. Thank you. Eric, and thank you for taking the time. Good luck in the playoffs and we will talk to you down the road, buddy. All right. Thanks guys. There we go. Now we're looking live with Brad Keselowski. Hello, Brad. You're looking live. You're looking live. And then we're going to go straight to questions. We, we're going to start off with Mark Garrow from the Performance Racing Network. Go ahead, Mark. All right. Thank you. Thank you for your time today, Brad. Uh, you've won a championship. What, uh, what drives you to just keep fighting for more and more of these championships? Wow. Deep question. Right out of the hole. Mark Garrow. Uh, what drives you? Uh, man, well. Uh, first off, I don't like to suck. So that's a good thing that drives me. I, I, if you're going to do something, do it well. Um, and winning races and going for a championship is, in my opinion, doing something well. Uh, so that drives me because um, I don't want to embarrass myself. But beyond that, um, you know, building a team, seeing them come together, being a part of it, and the com uh, camaraderie, that's pretty darn cool. Um, you know, I, I like to see other people come together and I like to be a part of it. So there's a lot of things that drive me and, and those are probably the, the, the two biggest, um, not the only ones. You know, I think in a lot of ways I've been blessed much as many of us have to be here at this time point in my life and my career and in the history of the world where we have the opportunities we have. So why not make the most of them? You know, as I told my team, I met with them yesterday. Uh, in a socially distanced gathering. And uh, I told them, you know, at, at, at the end of this 10 weeks, someone will be holding the championship trophy. Why not us? And, um, you know, I still feel that way. And uh, that's, that's my approach. Why not us? We can do it just as well as anybody. And I'm ready for that challenge. I want to do it as a team. And um, I think that's exactly what we're going to do. Thank you. No problem, Martin. Our next question is going to come from Bob Tokris. Go ahead with the question, Bob. Yeah, Brad, I don't know if that socially distanced gathering was in person, but if it was, was there any hesitation to do, is there any hesitation to do anything in person over the next 10 weeks um, as far as trying not to get COVID? And do you think drivers will be any more cautious or any more quiet about any symptoms? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, there's, there is, there's a lot of hesitation to get together as a group. Um, you know, I, I wanted to do lunches and dinners and I, I love to, to eat with people. Um, I like to eat to begin with, 
I like to eat with people because, you know, it's a different atmosphere and you can uh, talk more freely. And so to not be able to do that with my team is really let down. It used to be probably eight or 10 times a year, I'd gather the whole team together and, and have uh, a team lunch, breakfast, dinner, whatever it might be. And so not doing that, it's kind of a bummer. It's one of the things that I really enjoy about being a race car driver is being around the team and like I said, that camaraderie. So yeah, we, we, we stopped all that because, you know, when you eat, you can't have face masks and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's a big bummer, but uh, you know, what was the other part of your question? I'm sorry, Bob. I mean, do you think drivers will be any more cautious over these next 10 weeks? And do you think they'll, I mean, just like any injury, do you think they're going to hesitate to even say anything unless it's bad? Well, I don't know how we can be any more cautious than we already are. Um, you know, I basically fly in an airplane almost by myself. Every once in a while I have another driver to ride with me and sit way behind me in the back row. I get on the Penske airplane and I've flown with them and you know, everybody's got masks on and nobody's eating or drinking and you don't have to keep your mask on the whole time. I, you know, things like that. I, and then when I get to the racetrack, I'm you know, basically locking myself in a bus by myself for three or four hours until it's race time. Then I get in the car to race and I'm by myself for another three or four hours. So I'm not really sure other than just, you know, doing nothing, uh, what more precautions we could take. So I feel pretty good about that. Uh, as far as, you know, someone getting sick and, and hiding it, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't believe necessarily at this moment that uh, the testing is strong enough for, for me to have confidence that somebody does or doesn't have it more times than not. Um, so I, I guess it's a really open-ended question. I don't know if I have an answer for it. Our next question will come from Jenna Fryer. Go ahead with your question, Jenna. Hey, Brad. Um, asking you from a, um, from a really big picture, I know you're good at looking at things this way. Um, NASCAR races are events. NASCAR weekends are events. Um, it doesn't look like there's going to be that same sort of access for sponsors, for teams, for everyone until there's a vaccine. Um, what does it take away from a typical NASCAR racer weekend, particularly now that the playoffs are starting? Well, it definitely takes some things away. I think it also adds some opportunities. So, you know, it, it's hard to create a scorecard uh, as to, you know, negative versus positive as the end result. But I think it's important to recognize that there's some gains and losses for us uh, as an industry here. Uh, if we start with the losses, you know, Jenna, kind of like you're asking, um, you know, it's hard to have those intimate relationships with, sponsors that are so key to a race team's success and survival with the current business model and climate. Uh, you know, we want to be able to host them. We want them to be able to host their customers. We want to be able to connect and have those conversations. Uh, you know, people like to do business with people. They don't want to do business with companies. They want to do business with people. And uh, more often than not, what that means is, you know, connecting with them in, in unique ways, whether that's in person or at events or experiences. Uh, and that's one of the things that sports entertainment offer uh, for businesses. And so to lose that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's hurtful to the business model, not just for NASCAR, but for all sports. So I think that's certainly a loss. Um, you know, I think there's probably some gains for the sport in all this. 
we're operating much more efficiently than we were beforehand. Um, and that's, you know, doing a couple of things. One, it's reducing costs to the car owners and teams. Uh, two, it's reducing a lot of waste. There was a lot of waste previously. Uh, that's being cut out with this system. So uh, I'm, I'm proud of those things. Um, and probably the, the third thing is, um, you know, there's, a, there's significantly less competition, um, which if we're doing everything right as a sport, we should be able to capitalize on with respect to, to ratings and so forth uh, and consumption digitally. So I, I think it's hard to create a, a scoreboard and say, positive versus negative end result. But I also think it's important not to just focus on the things we've lost, but also recognize some of the things we've gained. Thank you, Brad. No problem. Our next question is gonna come from Kelly Crandall. Go ahead with the question, Kelly. Thanks. Hey, Brad, um, with the regular season that Kevin and Denny had and the playoff point advantage they have over everybody else, does it feel almost like everyone's racing for two spots potentially in the final four instead of all four? Well, Kelly, they got a lot of bonus points. There ain't no doubt about that. That's going to serve them really, really well um, as it goes through the rounds. But I'll tell you, I don't know if there's enough bonus points in the world to get you through that second round. You know, that second round is hairy. Um, Talladega is going to be hairy. Roval is going to be hairy. Um, you're going to want to go to Vegas and win. Um, and the way the format's set up, it's intentionally designed to not allow somebody to just coast through it no matter how good your regular season is. Um, so I, I suspect that uh, at least one of those two guys will find themselves in a spot at some point in time, Kelly, where um, they didn't want to be. Thank you. Our next question will come from Holly Kane. Go ahead with the question, Holly. Thank you. Hey, Brad, how are you? Um, my question is actually about the first round. And those are three tracks that I think typically, if you look at the schedule, are some of the, uh, shall we say, most action-packed <laughs> that you guys compete on. Could you talk about the three in the opening round, with, with certainly with Bristol being where it is and positioned? Sure, Holly. Well, I think first off, I'll say that um, I really like the change made to the playoff schedule this year. Um, you know, it's different than what we've had in, in years past. But I think it's different in a good way. It's uh, in some ways more challenging. In a lot of ways, in my opinion, more exciting uh, to have these combination of events put together the way they are. Um, you know, I think you look at the finale of each round and, you know, Bristol. Well, first off, the, the start of the regular season at Daytona. I've been advocating for that for six years now. Um, and I think it paid off in spades. thought we had a great race Saturday and a great run to the playoffs accordingly knowing that Daytona was going to be the last race uh, and uncertainty that comes from that uh, but then I look at the cutoff rounds uh, like I was saying here just a minute ago Bristol you know one of the most famed NASCAR tracks on the circuit it's just so fitting that it's one of the cutoffs uh, then of course you have the Roval uh, a track that you know I think most of the drivers would say makes the hair stand up on the back of their necks uh, and then Martinsville you know, the track that's been around for, what, what are they going on, uh, not quite 80 years? Something like that. No, it is 80 years. Yeah, or 72. Got to do my math real quick. Fingers and toes. But anyway, long story short, uh, what a terrific playoff schedule. Much better than any format I think we've seen to date with respect to the actual schedule. Uh, so I'm, I'm really pleased to see our sport make those kind of adjustments. 
but looking at the first round, the first round is your tried and true NASCAR tracks, you know, Darlington, South Carolina, tough track, 500 miles, one of the most historical events in all sports. Uh, and then you throw in there uh, Richmond, uh, which is again, back to one of the more traditional short track beating and banging NASCAR races in Bristol. Uh, that first round is uh, it's a power round with tracks that I think should have been in the playoffs from day one, but uh, we can't live in the past. We got to look, look to the future and I'm glad that they're in now. Thanks, Brad. No problem. Our next question will come from Gabe McDonald. Go ahead with the question, Gabe. Hey, Brad, you uh, mentioned um, Darlington being a tough track. I know you won there a couple of years ago, but what does it really take to have success there? Well, to be good at Darlington, you got to run up against the wall as close as you can for 500 miles and not hit it while still going super, super fast. The tires are falling off. You're wearing out super hot outside. Just got to be perfect. Pit crew's got to be perfect. You have a lot of pit stops because tires wear so much. You got to hit that. My team last uh, or two years ago when I won the race, great pit stops for pelvis to the win. And then four or five years ago, we dominated the entire race, lost it on the last pit stop. You know, that's got to be perfect. Uh, I've had some great cars there that I've screwed up. I bounced one off the wall while running up in front and having a chance to win and, and you know, kind of ruin our chance. So, uh, you know, I just think of it as a track that you just have to be absolutely perfect at to have a shot to win. Our next question will come from Dustin Long. Go ahead with your question, Dustin. Thank you. Um, Brad, I'm curious with what you talked to your team about uh, yesterday when you said, why not us? And I guess uh, my guess is that was not a off the cuff comment. That's probably something you thought about beforehand. And I'm curious because to me, I guess I would say, why not, why not us seems like a, uh, maybe a weaker type of statement um, if you're trying to motivate, especially when you, you've talked earlier this year about how you've silently, silently had one of your best years. So I, I'm curious on the mindset of, of that approach, or maybe there was something I'm just not, I'm missing or I'm not aware of in, in the why not us, as opposed to let's go out and just kick everybody's ass type of thing. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, it's probably driven some things uh, that are, are hard for me to uh, explain verbally, but uh, I'll give it my best shot here, Dustin. Um, you know, I think I've been in this position now seven of the last eight years, you know, in the playoffs, or really eight of the last nine years. And I brought it home once, which is great. I'm super proud of that. It's more than I thought I'd ever accomplish in my entire life. Um, and so I'll always be proud of that. But that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, wanting to stop there. Uh, doesn't mean that uh, I want to leave the sport with my one cup and go home and tell my grandkids about it for the next, you know, hopefully 40, 50 years, however long I got to live. I'd rather tell them about two than one. Uh, but the reality is, is a, a championship is much bigger than a driver. They put the driver's name on the trophy. Um, but I've never seen a driver win a championship. I've seen a lot of damn good teams win championships. I've never seen a driver win a championship. And I, I think what gets caught up in all that is uh, the mentality oftentimes that, um, you know, you're only uh, as good as your last race. You know, as good as your last, you know, few weeks. 
And the last two or three weeks have, have not been as strong as I'd like them to be as a team. We, we went out and kicked some serious butt at, at Loud, New Hampshire, and I was really proud of that. But we weren't as strong as I'd hoped we'd be at, uh, you know, Daytona and uh, Dover. And uh, I think there's moments where, as a team, sometimes people reflect on that a little deeper than is needed, not just as a team, but media. And you have to remind yourselves that, what you're capable of and sometimes the easiest way to remind yourself what you're capable of is uh in my mind eliminating the the fears of what you're not capable of and so i guess why i think why not us is my way of saying give me a legit reason why we can't win this championship right now and we'll come up with it and we'll hammer it down to the ground with a 100 pound sledgehammer and we'll fix it why not us is as much a, a, a rallying cry to uh, addressing and fixing all the little gaps you have to be the best you possibly can as anything else. Uh, and I think if you're asking yourself that as a team every day, that's, that's what becomes of it. What becomes of it is a culture, a mentality, and a mindset of continuous improvement uh, to eliminate your, your weaknesses. And hopefully there's a tenacity born out of that that uh, we'll service. Thank you. No problem. Our next question will come from Lee Spencer. Go ahead with the question, Lee. Thank you. And thank you, Brad, for joining us today. To kind of follow up on what you all were talking about, do you, have you kind of accepted that mentality because you have a different dynamic with Jeremy on the box this year? in the relationship, even though the two of you have a long-standing relationship, having worked together in Xfinity. And, you know, that being said, and the why not us mentality, uh, the fact that Harvick and Hamlin are getting the lion's share of the attention right now, does it, is it easier for you to fly under the radar and kick their butts? <laughs> well, you know, I've been enjoying Logano's shop a couple times in the last year or two. And he's got this sign hanging up in his shop. And uh, it's a uh, sign from Jeff Gluck's Twitter handle, where it's a, a picture of uh, the big three of that year. And um, they're sitting at the conference table after the Homestead race. And uh, Jeff's got some kind of caption underneath it. Not how the big three thought this would end. Um, hey, I've been in that. I've lived those shoes. Um, you know, I think 2014 stands out the most to me, maybe 2014 and 15, I had a great team and, uh, didn't come together, uh, 14, probably for, you know, reasons just as much of luck as, uh, anything else. 15 was probably more my fault. Some things I didn't execute at the level I needed to execute, but altogether the, the scorecard was still zero and, uh, we had efforts that were capable of winning the championship those two years. And, and so that, that stings. I've been on that side of it. Um, so I know how easy it is to get caught up in your own press clippings, uh, to become overconfident. And um, I'm just as happy as can be if you all just keep talking about them and just leave my team alone. We'll just do our thing and be the best we can and let the results show on the track, Lee. Appreciate your time, man. Good luck this weekend. No problem. Well, Brad, thanks for taking the time to join us. Good luck in the playoffs, bud. We'll see you down the road. Okay, all the best, guys.
We are now joined by Alex Bowman, driver of that number 88 Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports. We're going to go straight to questions and Jeff Gluck. Go ahead with the question, Jeff. Hey, Alex, um, I'm wondering, aside from yourself, who do you think is sort of a dark horse or a surprise driver that could make a run in these playoffs? Um, that's a good question. I wish you would have left out the aside from myself. But um, honestly, I think William Byron, you know, just coming off a win could be really strong. Um, I feel like as a, as a team, everybody at HMS has picked up lately and, and been faster, been having some good runs. So um, I think any of the HMS cars can be really strong. I don't think anybody considers Chase Elliott a, a dark horse. So if I can't pick myself, I'll go with William. Thank you. Our next question will go to Dustin Long. Go ahead with your question, Dustin. Thank you. Alex, can you explain um, how the challenge of maximizing rolling time on pit road um, for you guys and, and do without a pit road, a speeding penalty? I don't think you haven't had a, a speeding penalty this year and just how you've been oh, able to manage that. Me. <laughs> <laughs> and just how you've been able to manage that. Uh, is that, is there, is there a true skill or challenge uh, skill there, or is it just rudimentary and, and just being able to look at what lights tell you to do? Yeah, it's, it's pretty rudimentary as far as being able to look at what lights tell you to do. There's a lot of different settings that you can do with your dash and um, how you choose to react to, to what the lights are saying. It's not like, like a cup car doesn't drive smoothly at those speeds and the pit roads aren't perfectly smooth and um, you know the lights jump around a lot basically. Like if you want the lights accurate, they jump around a lot. If you make them not jump around, they're not very accurate. So um, just finding what works for you as a driver in that sense is really important. Uh, but also like curved pit roads, throw another element in. Um, segments, throw another element in. You know, it, it's all really based off time. It's not really based off mile per hour. So um, sometimes tracks will have one fast segment that's you're not really speeding up. The segment's technically just wrong, but everybody's got to deal with it. So um, there's a lot of factors to it. It's really tough on a busy pit road, trying not to run into people, trying to hit your pit box well. Uh, it's, it's definitely important, but it's, um, it's a big risk versus reward. Like if you have a green flag speeding penalty, it's a huge, huge deficit for the rest of your day, especially at a speedway race. Uh, so there are times to push and, and times not to push for sure. Thank you. Our next question will come from Chase Wilhelm. Go ahead with the question, Chase. Uh, hey, Alex. Um, so the summer months weren't very good to you, um, but you actually are coming off the top five and the top 10 at Dover uh, in Daytona. So uh, where do you feel like the 88 team stands right now amongst What are your thoughts on Darlington considering you finished second there in the first race this year? Yeah, I lost you kind of for the middle part of what you said, but I think I think I got the gist of it. Um, you know, yeah, you're right. The the summer was pretty rough on us. Uh, we started the season really strong. Come back from COVID, we were still still really strong, and then fell off really hard for the summer. So, um, you know, trying to identify why that happened, what we did wrong, and and how to get getting better over the last couple of weeks, especially. Um, so I think we're in a good place going into the playoffs. Darlington for us, we we're really fast there. Uh, the first two races this year, first race, we finished second, second race, we had a, a way better race car and 
Um, I started racing my competitors instead of the racetrack and, and hit the fence. So that's on me to, uh, to not do this time, but I think we can be really strong, have a really good day. And, um, you know, I think each and every week during the playoffs, we're going to be really good, but Darlington's one that we've had circled that we can be really strong at for sure. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. Our next question will come from Lee Spencer. Go ahead with your question, Lee. Alex, just kind of curious, um, looking at the three of you being in and Jimmy not being in, is Jimmy going to work as, you know, continue to work his job as a driver coach to try to get you guys the best opportunity for one of the Hendrick cars to win a championship? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, Jimmy's an open book. You know, we all know the, the person that he is, the type of person that he is and, and how much of a help he is to really every anybody that asks him he's he's willing to help so um very appreciative to, to have him to lean on and to to be able to learn from him there's nobody that uh that has gone through probably this this playoff situation and succeeded in it as much as him so um hopefully we can uh, learn from him we all want to see him go out on top and win races i don't think there's a driver in the field that doesn't want to see him win races before he uh be before he completes his last time last full-time season whatever whatever you want to call that but um the r word but it's uh it's really cool to be able to to lean on him and to learn from him regardless of the playoff situation just really thankful to have him as a teammate appreciate your time good luck this weekend thanks our next question will come from mark garrow go ahead your question mark uh thank you you, Alex, each one of these rounds has a really tough cutoff race. Uh, it it is, a, is a wild card. Just what are your thoughts in the round about the round one cutoff at Bristol? Yeah, I think Bristol's pretty unique just with how much the racetrack changes, the VHT, how that affects it, and how hard it is to pass. I mean, you can be way faster than a guy and still not be able to pull off a pass. And with the way the bumpers line up these days and the race cars drive in traffic, it's it's just as hard to move somebody else out of the way as it is to, to pass. So um, just trying to, to have a good race car there. Obviously our, our day got cut really short there in the, the spring. Um, not really knowing how, how the race is gonna go and having great notes to lean on, but our teammates were really strong. So being able to lean on their notes will be good, but it's definitely a wild card for sure. Thank you. Our next question will come from John Newby. Go ahead with the question, John. Hey Alex, thanks for joining us today. Just a quick question for you. You're starting up front on the second row next to William behind Chase. I know it's a longer race, but how critical is it to get to the front to that clean air since your car is suited to long runs? Yeah, it, it's hard to say. Um, you know, we don't really know if our car is going to be suited to long runs or not until we get there. Um, I feel like each week's a little bit different and um the end of some of the long runs at darlington in may we were we were definitely falling off harder than we wanted to be but we were really fast on the short runs so um i think that is a racetrack that you really just have to race the track um kind of like i said before the second race i got caught up racing somebody else and um drove it right into the fence did a really bad job so we just need to race the racetrack and be there at the end um that's it's a place it's such a long day that's a really long 500 miles and uh, being there at the end with with a clean race car is super crucial perfect thanks 
Our next question will come from Cole Cusimano. Go ahead with the question, Cole. Thanks, Matt. Hey, Alex. Uh, as an Arizona boy, what was your reaction when hearing the championship was going to be held at Phoenix? And what would it mean to you to make the championship four at your home track? It mean the world to me uh, to make the championship four and, and try to win a championship in Arizona. That'd be really special. Um, you know, that, that racetrack is kind of a love-hate relationship with me. Um, obviously, we've had some strong runs there in the past, but the last couple of years have been pretty awful there. Um, we haven't had a good day there, period, really since 2016. So um, we've got our work cut out for us to improve, improve that program of ours and try to go be stronger there. But I think it's really cool. Uh, it's a cool atmosphere. Um, the fans there are, are awesome. The campground there is awesome. I feel like it's kind of an underrated um, atmosphere as far as the racetracks go. So just excited to, uh, to get there and, and happy for them to, to be hosting the, the Final Four. Thank you, sir. Good luck. Thanks. Our next question will come from Jordan Bianchi. Go ahead with the question, Jordan. Uh, Alex, uh, there's speculation out there that maybe you're a candidate to take over the 48 for Jimmy Johnson. Um, wondering if you've had those conversations and that speculation is accurate. Man, I don't, I don't know. I have no clue. Nobody's talked to me. I'm just here to drive the race car. Um, I'm, I'm focused on Darlington and um, going to Darlington to go try to win and um, as far as I know, I'm driving the 88 car. That's, that's what I'm focused on doing. Thank you very much. Our next question will go to Kathy Brown. Go ahead with your question, Kathy. Kathy? Going once. Going twice. We're going to go on to Luis Torres. Go ahead with your question, Luis. Hey, Alex. So in this time period with, like, no practice and of course dealing with the pandemic how have you kept yourself upbeat in this time period and with the st with the playoffs starting at Darlington you guys are going there for the third time what key will it take to get that win I know you were battling in that first one with Harvick at the back in May yeah so um you know I think everybody that's that's been around me um kind of knows that that staying upbeat kind of for me is, is a little tough when things aren't going well. And the summer was rough on us for sure. But, um, you know, good runs for me, curious that and, and running up front and contending for wins. So just trying to run the best we can. And, and we've had some good runs here lately. Um, when things are going well, it's, it's pretty easy for me to, to stay upbeat. And, you know, we definitely miss the fans and, and the pandemic has changed a lot of things for us. But, um, it's, it's pretty awesome that we're kind of back on schedule with the, the way the season is. And, um, you know, going to Darlington, just being there at the end with a clean race car is, is going to be crucial to trying to win that race. Um, you know, the, the first race there in May, we, we really weren't very happy with our race car and we were still really fast. So second race, we were much better and had to start in the back and, and drove to the front way, way quicker than, um, the other people that started as far back as we did and just got greedy and, and hit the wall. So can't be greedy. You got to race the racetrack and be there at the end. Our next question will come from Kelly Crandall. Go ahead with your question, Kelly. Thank you, Alex. Going back to you, keep talking about the summer months and, and things kind of got off track. Was it just something where the speed just disappeared? Were you guys trying anything? Kind of how would you explain basically coming out of the gate at the beginning of the year, like gangbusters, and then all of a sudden it just slowly started to go away. 
Yeah, I think for us, you know, the tracks we went to, the the tire that we were on and the weather really affected us more than, than we anticipated. Um, our race car just was really unhappy when it got hot and slick through the, the summer months um, and the speed was gone. You know, we went to the racetracks that we thought we were going to go and dominate at, like, like Homestead, um, Kansas, places that we thought we would be awesome at, especially with how we started the year at Vegas and Fontana and Charlotte and Darlington. And we were terrible, struggled. Um, Kansas, you know, I think we finished eighth or something, but we ran 25th all day and it was all I could do not to, not to crash for the majority of the race. We were so loose. So just, um, I don't think we were trying anything. Uh, if we were, they didn't tell me. Um, I wish we were, I wish we could just point and be like, yeah, we were trying stuff. It's all good. We'll be fine. But, um, we definitely kind of missed it there for, for two months or so. And, um, I'm really thankful that we were able to not lose our heads. The team was able to, to continue to work together really well and uh, keep a level head and, and turn it around. You know, the last couple of weeks have been much better to us. Um, Dover, we got damaged the first, first race, but the second race, we had a really great race car and, and it was a backup car. So, um, you know, to be that strong with a backup car was really good. And I think we uh, were pointed in the right direction to start the playoffs for sure. Thank you. Our next question will come from Marty Sakala. Go ahead with your question, Marty. Thank you, Matt. You got it right this time. Awesome. There you go. Uh, hope you're doing well, Alex. Um, I apologize if uh, you already answered this. I joined in late on your press conference. But uh, last year, we saw you with a lot of potential at the one-and-a-half-mile tracks. Um, do you think this will be your strength once we get to those tracks in the round of 12? Yeah, I feel like as a as a company, the mile and a halfs have been our strong suit um, as long as I've been been driving for HMS, especially last year. Um, you know, we went on a run there and we're really strong at all the mile and a halfs. And this year, we we started and continued to be strong at the intermediate tracks. So um, we we were definitely off a little bit through the summer at those racetracks, but I think those are probably our strong suits um, going going into the playoffs for sure. Thank you, Alex. Good luck to you this weekend. Thanks. Our next question will come from Rebecca Cottingham. Go ahead with your question, Rebecca. Hey, Alex. This is Rebecca Cottingham with Legacy Maker Sports Network. Um, we kind of talked to Ford and Penske teammates yesterday. Um, do you, does HMS have a policy on how they're going to handle such tracks as Talladega going into the chase? Um, I don't think we really have a, a policy. Um, I think we've all seen the manufacturers work together over the last couple of years, um, at, at those racetracks. I feel like Ford kind of did it first and then, um, you know, we, we did a really good job of it with Chevrolet and now it's, um, now it's interesting to see how everybody tries to kind of one up each other with how they can play the race out and work together. And it's just really like, you can't, um, you can't not work together as a, as a team at this point, as, as well as everybody's working together and as much communication as there is. So, um, you know, we're going to do all, all we can to, to go there and, and win as a team. And, and we've had success at it. Obviously, William just won in Daytona. So um, just trying to go there and, and get all of our cars up front. That's the goal. And we got to work together to do that. 
Thank you, and best of luck this weekend. Thanks. Our next question will come from Kelvin Lapierre. Go ahead with your question, Kelvin. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Alex, for taking time out today. Uh, just a question on the with no qualifying and how NASCAR is really setting up these playoffs where the top 16 in the first round gets set together in that way. It doesn't really mess you up going forward. Um, and then the choose rule. How, what are your expectations with that? And as far as drive, like not being taken out by a, by a non-playoff driver like we've seen in the past? Yeah. So, um, to start qualifying, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all good with, with the format and, and the way everything goes. Um, we're starting pretty close to the front this weekend, so it's hard for me to complain, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think they, they have a good way of doing it. And, um, the, the random draw, I started the same spot, like five weeks in a row or four weeks in a row or something. So, uh, it was, it was funny how that all worked out because it was a random draw, but, man, it was, uh, it was interesting. So I'm, I'm a fan of, of the formula that they're using. I think it's working really good. Um, the choose deal, I, it's, it's simple when you're up front, um, the farther back you get, the harder it gets and the more confusing it gets trying to count cars gets pretty complicated and it's really hard to see, um, you know, from the race car, the box is hard to see and it's hard to count. So just staying on top of that is, is critical making the right decisions. And that is critical. My spotter is terrible at math, so I can't lean on him because he always gets the count wrong, but, um, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely added a new element to it. And then, you know, everybody's there to race and win races. So it's easy to get into it with a non-playoff guy, but hopefully we avoid that and, um, have a good clean playoffs. Thanks, Alex. Good luck this weekend. Thanks. Our next question will go to Kathy Brown. Try again, Kathy. Hi, can you hear me? <laughs> I, I took myself off mute. Um, Alex, um, given the playoffs in, in the COVID-19 world that we're in this year, you guys are be going to be coming the furthest west when you come to Vegas and Phoenix. Is there any special or additional precautions you're going to take given the fact that you're coming so far west? Um, I don't know, I'm sure there will be. I just don't know what, what they are at the moment. Um, Hendrick Motorsports has done a, a really good job of, of laying out things for us and, and trying to help us as well as NASCAR. NASCAR has done an awesome job at, at having recommendations and kind of laying out guidelines for everybody. So, um, you know, I, I, I would kind of assume that there will be differences. I feel like every week's a little bit different with how regulations are working, um, depending on where we're going in the country. So, I'm sure it'll be a little different, but uh, that's kind of normal. Each and every week's been different. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Alex, thanks for taking the time. Good luck in the playoffs, bud. Thanks. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. We're just going to roll right into questions here for Chase Elliott. And our first question will come from Kelly Crandall. Go ahead with your question, Kelly. Thank you. Hey, Chase. Um, with the regular season that Kevin and Denny have put together and the bonus points that they have, over everybody else. Does it feel like it's almost a battle two spots in the final four instead of all four being wide open? Uh, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, those guys certainly have had a phenomenal year uh, for sure. So um, they're very deserving of their bonus points and all the things they've acquired. But yeah, we, we race for a reason and, and heck, who knows? I mean, there's so many variables and things uh, that can happen that, you know, they have a, an abundance of points for sure. Uh, and are they likely to go to Phoenix? Absolutely. 
Uh, do I think they deserve to be in the final four? Yes, I do. I, I think they definitely deserve to be, but with the way this, uh, the way this points deal is, I mean, you can have a bad couple races or, you know, a bad few stages and, and next thing you know, guys have made up 30, 40 points on you pretty quick. So it can, uh, it can certainly shift gears in a hurry. Thank you. Our next question will come from Jeff Gluck. Go ahead with your question, Jeff. Hi, Chase. Uh, who is a dark horse or a surprise team that you think could make a run that people should watch for in these playoffs? That's a good question. Um, man, I really don't know. I, 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 uh, I, I'm not sure on that. Um, you know, I, I think any, I think if you make the final 16, um, and you hit on something at the right time, you know, you, that can carry you an awful long way. So I don't, I don't know like who to tell you, but I, I think that there's a lot of very talented drivers and teams who, you know, if you get on the right, right thing at the right time, you can, you can make a, make a serious run at stuff. Thank you. Our next question will come from Pete Iacabelli. Go ahead with your question, Pete. Uh, hey, Chase. It seems like we've come a long way racing-wise um, since the last time you guys were I can't hardly hear you. Yeah, Pete, we're we're you're cutting out. Uh, text me your question, we'll get it asked. We're gonna move. We're gonna move on to our next question, which will come from Mark Garrow. Go ahead with your question, Mark. Uh, thank you. Thanks for the time, Chase. Um, are you far enough along in your career now where you've been there and done all that, so that almost anything that could be thrown at you in this playoff? You, you've been there, done that, and are able to handle it, or or seen a pass. Did you ever period. worry back? Before those first races, that uh, we must have to would not be able to get to this point. Did you have questions about the return? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start with we'll start with Pete's question first. Chase, Pete was asking, did you ever think we would get to this point after the restart and with all the challenges that COVID nineteen? Uh, I think I was for sure skeptical that we were going to, uh, you know, even have a season uh, when when all this started. So yeah, I'm super happy that we're uh, you know have a chance to race and we're able to do what we're doing. I know it's a little different, but we're still able to put on races each week and still able to compete and put on a, a good product on TV. So um, yeah, I think for the most part, all's been all's been good, and I'm encouraged that we've had a chance. I feel like NASCAR was kind of uh, leading the charge on getting back going, which was encouraging to be a part of too. Awesome. And then Mark, go ahead and restate your question, buddy. I was just wondering at, at this point, Chase, you're, you're, you're well into your career at this point and you've, you've been through the playoffs before, been there, done that. Uh, do, do you feel like with all the experience you have now, whatever's thrown your way, you get, you, you'd be able to handle, handle the circumstance? Well, I mean, I'd like to think so for sure. I mean, we've never made the round of four. Uh, so that's an area that we've never been in. Um, so, you know, some of that stuff until you get there, uh, it's really hard to know what to expect. So, um, yeah, would love to get, be a part of that last race and that last event and, uh, and really, you know, really make a run at it um, and, and do that. But, you know, that, that's like that's the thing we haven't been able to accomplish is make that last race. So, 
that's uh that's that's the that's the goal thank you our next question will come from dustin long go ahead with your question dustin chase uh of the experiences you've had in the playoffs obviously last year you were in the second round more than 20 points behind uh in the cutoff and had the the really strong run at kansas in advance i'm just curious uh just in that particular example uh, what was what you kind of learned out of that experience of, you know, obviously a lot of people probably, you know, writing you off of being 20 points out going into the last race and you were one of the ones that advanced how you handled that and, and the, from that. Yeah, it was certainly encouraging. You know, it, it was a combination of a couple things. I mean, uh, our competitor that, that we were racing there happened to have a bad restart there at the end of the race and we happened to have a good one, you know, and that was the point difference that, that it took to get through. So to me, it just kind of shows you that it's not over until it's over in, in a lot of those cases. And, and points can swing really fast one way or another, especially with these stages and, and giving out stage points uh, throughout this, uh, you know, throughout all these races, throughout all, all, you know, the whole year. So just knowing how fast it can swing and, you know, a stage win or two can, can boost you, uh, head and shoulders above above somebody else or to catch up, you know, if you need to. So, um, yeah, I just look at it as just not being done until you're, until you're out. Thank you. Our next question will come from John Newby. Go ahead with the question, John. Hey, Chase. Thanks for joining us today. So of the upcoming three races, you no know, Bristol, Darlington, Richmond, which one are you most excited for or nervous about based on an opportunity to find more success or improvement where you need? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about all of them. You know, that this is an exciting part of the year, uh, in my opinion. I, I really enjoy this time of year. It's fun. Um, it, it's pressure packed, uh, I feel like, in, in a lot of ways. And um, it's an exciting product for people to watch with, with the way these rounds eliminate people. Uh, yeah, I look forward to, to all of them. Like I said, you know, R Richmond to me uh, has been a big time struggle since I've been in cup. So I, I would really like to get better there. Um, that one has, has been a problem. So hopefully we're a little better there than, than we've been in the past because it's not been pretty. Gotcha. Thank you, sir. Our next question will come from Gabe McDonald. Go ahead with your question, Gabe. Hey, Jay. So you've been named, you know, one of the most popular drivers in NASCAR recently. And obviously last time, no fans in Darlington. How nice is it going to be to have fans this time around? Yeah, it was super weird not having fans there. And obviously that was the first one back. So it was, uh, you know, a very odd environment to be in. Uh, as, as we've gone on this year, things have become a little more normal in that sense, as much as I hate to say that. Uh, but we've been kind of getting used to not seeing so many people at the track, but happy to have uh, folks back in, in a small capacity this weekend and hope that we can put on a really good race for them. Our next question will come from Jeff Megaliachetti. Go ahead with your question, Jeff. Good afternoon, Chase. Thank you for joining us. How, how fortunate is it that you guys will have the pole for, for the race this weekend, lean the field to the green, especially in a car, a nice little throwback scheme that's a tribute to Jimmy Johnson? Yeah, I'm excited about it. The car looks great. Um, what a cool opportunity to drive one of Jimmy's paint schemes. Um, one of my favorites, too, that I remember watching him in. So that, I think that's really cool. Uh, starting spot's great. You know, uh, great to get the pole. It's always uh, always an encouraging thing. Uh, I think even a bigger deal to have that first pit box, which is which is super valuable. 
So hopefully we're fast enough for it to matter and we can put that thing to use. Thanks, Chase. Good luck this weekend. Thanks. Our next question will come from Koki Riley. Go ahead with the question, Koki. Thank you. Um, so I was just wondering, we may be months away from the final playoff race this season in Phoenix, but uh, I just wanted to hear what you believe makes uh, Phoenix Raceway a unique racing experience. Yeah, I mean, Phoenix is a unique track in general. We don't really go to anywhere else that's shaped like that um, and has the, the two different corners be like they are. It's just, it's very kind of an awkward shaped track. Um, but yeah, it, it makes it's made for exciting races over the years, and and I expect it'll do that again this trip. Our next question will come from Michael Shelton. Go ahead with your question, Michael. Thank you very much. Well, Chase, you've won four out of the last six road races, including this year at, at the Tona Road Course. Of course, last year you won at the Roval. This year the Roval will be in the round of twelve. I'm just wondering, how do you attribute your success on the road courses and with Charlotte in the round of 12, do you feel like that gives you a little bit of an advantage heading into this year's playoffs? Uh, I'm not sure that I feel like it gives us an advantage, but um, yeah, I've been fortunate to have some really good runs there. I think that, um, you know, the Daytona deal went, went really good, which was nice, <clears throat> but yeah, I'm sure everybody's going to be getting better, you know, as they always are. So I hope we're improved from what we were last year and we can uh, step up our game and, have a good uh, have a good run. Thank you. Good luck. <clears throat> Thanks. Our next question will come from Mitchell Brewer. Go ahead with the question, Mitchell. Chase, stat-wise, this has probably been one of your best seasons to date. Do you feel like you're the most confident you've been heading into the playoffs? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, it's a good question. Uh, somebody told me that earlier, which I was kind of surprised by that. Um, I feel like you know, we've, we've had some, we had some really good runs at the beginning of the year. Then I feel like we kind of got into a little bit of a dip there, um, over the last, you know, couple months. And then I thought Dover was back competitive again. So I think for me, I just look at a little bit of the inconsistency. I think we need to be more consistent across the board. Um, encouraged by the fact that when I feel like we have things going, we can, we can compete for wins, uh, at, at a lot of different style racetracks, which I think is awesome. Uh, so that definitely gives me confidence. Um, but this deal is all about what's, what has happened lately, what your performance has been um, up to this date, and, and you know, what you have ahead to try to improve on and how much you need to improve. So um, right now I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know, um, had, had, a, had a good run at Dover. I thought a fast car, and, and that was a, a style racetrack that I felt like uh, – is more in the direction of the mile and a half. So I look at that and I'm encouraged and, and I have confidence. Uh, like I said, that when things are good, I think we can compete, uh, compete with, with whoever. So I think from that side, it's a good thing. Our next question will come from Kelvin LaPierre. Go ahead with the question, Kelvin. Thanks, man. Thanks, Chase, for taking some time out today. Uh, just going to the playoff format with the qualifying not being a thing, you guys start playoffs starting the top 16. You're starting on the pole this weekend. Um, and with track position being all that much more important, how important is it to really continue to have a strong, strong finish at the end of a race, not necessarily at the start, knowing that your qualifying position could be based on 
the top 16 and not being really involved in anything that could happen in the middle of the field early on in a race. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, the qualifying thing and the way that formula works, it just rewards people for performing. So performing is basically just helping you at the next event, which I think is a very fair way to do it. If you run well, you run fast, you have a good finish, you're going to have a good starting spot the next week, and that's a that, that's as fair of a thing that we could do without qualifying. Thanks, Chase. Good luck this weekend. Thanks. Next question will come from Bob Pockers. Go ahead with your question, Bob. Yeah, Chase, does it, and if so, how much weigh on you that you haven't made the, the championship for? I mean, is that one of those things that you're like, man, that you think about all year, or, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, it's the playoffs and things happen? Uh, I mean, well, it's it's the goal, right? I mean, you can't win the championship without making that final four, and that's been that's been that that – um, point of the playoffs that we haven't been able to bust through yet. So, um, you know, I feel like we've been really close at, at times um, to doing it. I, I think we're very capable of, of making the final four. So at the end of the day, I, if, if um, me being confident and knowing that we can do it and my team knowing that uh, is the case and, and it is, then I think that's really, really all that matters to me. But certainly the goal, certainly – it, if you want to win a championship that you don't have an option, you got to make it. Um, so we know that and I uh, look forward to the challenge. Our next question will come from Cole Cusimano. Go ahead with your question, Cole. Thanks, Matt. Hey, Chase. Um, so historically you've run really well at Phoenix. Um, you got one of the best cars in the spring this year. So how do you feel about your chances? Should you make the championship four? And how did you feel when the championship race moved from Homestead to Phoenix? Yeah, well, I think it's a good thing that it's moving around. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a big plus. I think just for our sport, you know, and it moving from track to track. So uh, excited that it moved. Um, and, and, yeah, luckily we had a, had a good run there at the beginning of the year. A lot's changed since then, though, too, I feel like, and, and people being better. Competitors improving. So I uh, certainly think we'll have some work to do when we go back. But, yeah, I hope, I hope we're a part of the Final Four for it to matter. And, uh hope we can uh, take what we had there in the spring and make it make it better for that last race, if so. Thank you, sir. Good luck. Thanks. Our next question will come from Ashley McCubbin. Go ahead with your question, Ashley. You ran well at Darlington before, including this spring. How much does that add to your confidence, and what's the toughest challenge of Darlington? Yeah, we had a had a, a couple good runs there, I thought, uh, in those first two races back, which was nice. Um, again, like I said a second ago, I think a lot's changed since then, so I'm really curious to see how we stack up this go-around. Um, but Darlington's always kind of one of those things where the, you know, the two ends of the racetrack are, are just so different that it's hard to get them both perfect. Uh, but it happens, and people do it all the time, and I uh, look forward to trying again. Next question will come from Marty Sakala. Go ahead with your question, Marty. Thanks, Matt. Chase, congratulations on making the playoffs once again. Kind of jumping off of Mitchell and Bob's questions, when it comes to playoff points every year, you seem to be improving. You've got 20 coming in, most you've had since stage racing was invented. Do you think you'll have enough playoff points to go all the way to the championship four, or do you think you'll need some more stage wins and maybe a race win or two? Uh, I mean, I think that uh... – it, it all kind of depends on who does what, right? Um, 
you know, if, if, if we were starting the round of eight right now and we were advanced that far and, and the points were just like they were, I think that we have enough uh, to make it if we run well. Um, but, you know, starting here fresh, still a lot of opportunities for race wins, guys to, to earn bonus points. So the way I'm going to view it is that we're going to need more. And, and frankly, you know, if you're, if you're not contending for wins regularly, it doesn't really matter anyway. So um, I think that for us, we need to, need to get some more stage wins, some more race wins, and keep stacking it on. Thanks, Chase. Good luck to you this weekend. Thanks. And our final question for Chase is going to come from Dustin Long. Go ahead with your question, Dustin. Chase, uh, with NASCAR having the rule where if, if you test positive, you're going to miss a race, not changing it from what it was in the regular season. Uh, obviously, you guys have had to live in a, in a bubble. What do you have to do more? Is there anything more you have to do in terms of protecting yourself over the next 10 weeks because of what's at stake at this point? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that you I've thought about that some for sure, um, you know, and, and just being smart, you know, trying to wash your hands, do all the things that we're supposed to be doing. And, and you know, uh, from that standpoint, that that's really all we can do, right, is do the things that, that they've put out there for us and try to be smart uh, about who you're around and the environments you're in. So, you know, from my end, I'm going to certainly try to think about some of that stuff some more and, and try to be as smart as possible. And, uh, I mean, hope for the best. I think that's, that's really all we can do. Chase, thanks for taking the time to join us, and good luck in the playoffs. All right, thanks. All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, like I said, if you have a question for Martin, just continue to keep your hand raised, and we will get um, or call on as many questions as we can in the time that we have. To kick us off, we're going to start with Jeff Gluck. Gluck, go ahead with your question for Martin. Hi, Martin. I'm wondering um, if you can tell me one um, dark horse team or surprise team that you think could make a run in the playoffs. Well, I don't know. Uh, that's, a, that's a real tricky question there, Jeff. Um, I'm going to, if, if you want to go with a dark horse, I'll, I'll have to say Cole Custer. Interesting. Why is that? I don't know. Just, just <laughs> I just picked him. <laughs> I mean, he'd be, he's an underdog, right? He's a rookie. He's, uh, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't expect a lot of surprises in general. Uh, when it comes to playoff time, I think the strong teams always rise to the occasion. Um, but you asked me for a dark horse, so I picked my dark horse. <laughs> I did. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. We're going to take our next question from Mark Guerra with PRN. Go ahead, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Martin. You're welcome. I'm I'm curious. This this round, you know, ends at Bristol. We've seen a lot of physical contact. You've been on the the bad side of it, a track like Martinsville, uh, in a playoff. Do you do you think the aggression level is going to be up uh, the way this is laid out? Bristol being a cutoff race here in round one. Yeah, I mean, I think it has that potential. You know, I think anytime you're at Bristol, it has that potential. Um, you know, I think any cutoff race, that's always uh, it always seems to raise the potential for that. Um, but, you know, you think about the all-star race being there and, and thinking about, you know, no points and everybody going for it. And we've seen a pretty tame show. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, I think you look at Bristol, it's hard to really predict what's going to happen, you know, 
depends on a lot of things. Depends on uh, you know the PJ one and the tires and the um, you know whether it's a full moon or not. I guess maybe. Um, but we've seen Bristol be a lot of different kinds of races. You know, you know in the last couple of years really, and and it has potential to go crazy. It has potential to be calm. You know, I just don't know if you can really say uh, what's going to happen there. Thank you. Welcome. Take our next question from Dustin Long. Dustin, go ahead. Thank you. Um, Martin, as you go into these playoffs, what are you curious to see? What, what's kind of, uh, you know, obviously in the media, we always have our questions of the uncertainties. What, from your point of view, what are you curious to see? Um, you know, really, I'm just uh, focused on, you know, our team, what we've been doing. Um, you know, I'm curious to see if we can step it up to the next, that next level. I feel like we can. I feel like we're right there on the cusp of it. Um, you know, you look at what we've done, you know, the last 10 races, and I feel like we've been, uh, we've been a top three car every single race. We've had, you know, opportunities to win, uh, slip away. So hopefully, you know, I, I look forward to seeing if we can, you know, take those second, thirds and fourths and turn them into wins. I, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's ultimately what it takes to be able to win the championship. And, um, you know, if we can do that, uh, I'll be happy. So that's what I'm ready to see. And uh, hopefully we'll see it soon. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Kelly Crandall. Kelly, go ahead. Thank you. Hi, Martin. Is everyone racing? Kelly. Is everyone racing for four spots at Phoenix or two, given the advantage that Kevin and Denny have on the rest of the field? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I still think um, there's probably at least three open, you know. I mean, there's no guarantees, right? I mean, yeah, those guys are running good. They have a lot of playoff points. And, and I've been in that position before. And I think even in that position, you still understand there's opportunity, um, you know, that, that you maybe couldn't make it. Uh, it would be a huge disappointment. It'd be a huge surprise if those two didn't make it for sure. Uh, but there's always outside opportunity. So, um, yeah, there's a chance that you're only racing for two spots. But, you know, again, um, you never know. And, and you, you know, you, I think for us, we go into the playoffs and, and feel like, went around, you know, race every round, then you're set. So that's kind of our mindset. Thank you. Okay, our next question will come from Jordan Bianchi. Jordan, go ahead. Uh, Martin, I'm wondering if you and Denny ever commiserated over how Homestead unfolded for you guys last year, where you guys both had fast cars and then things happened and took away that opportunity to win the championship. No, we hadn't really, um, you know, talked about it, honestly. <laughs> it's water under the bridge you know I mean it's part of uh it's part of racing things you know some days it's your day some days it's not and um you know for both of us it wasn't so uh, I don't know that either one of us would um would even care to talk about it when we didn't have to <laughs> you know what I mean it's one of those things so yeah we've never never talked about it thank you very much you're welcome okay we're going to take our next question from Davey Siegel Davey go ahead Hey, Martin, uh, being your first playoffs with James atop the pit box, how do you anticipate that affecting how you guys maneuver your way through the next 10 weeks, or do you think that there won't really be a change? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, you know, I, I feel good about, um, you know, James, uh, his, his decision-making, and, you know, I think throughout the year he's gotten stronger, more confident in his decisions. Um, that's really the key, you know. I mean – you know, I, I feel like he's a guy that's not going to crack under pressure. That's, that's really the main, the main point, I guess. Um, you know, if you have a guy that's, that's prone to cracking, you're, 
<laughs> it's never a good feeling when you're like, okay, the caution comes out. What's, what are we going to do? Uh, well, we could do this or we could do that. Or, you know, I think he's gotten pretty good throughout the year. So I have confidence in him and, um, you know, there's going to be, I'm sure some chance, some chances for that to get tested, uh, in the playoffs, but I feel like he's going to do a good job with it and, and we'll see how it goes. Cool. Thanks for your time. You're welcome. Okay, we're going to take our next question from, let's see here, Rebecca Cottingham. Hi, this is Rebecca Cottingham from um, Legacy Maker Sports Network. Um, thanks for taking the time, Martin. You had success in 2019 at Richmond, and Richmond is one of the tracks that you will be heading to. I know you have a new crew chief, but do you feel like y'all are going into Richmond well-prepared? Yeah, absolutely. I feel uh, I feel really good about it. I'm I'm looking forward to that race, and um, you know, it was unfortunate that we missed uh, we missed out on that first one this year. Uh, such a great track to race at, a lot of fun, and um, you know, I, I feel uh, very confident in uh, in our abilities to go there and, and be competitive, and hopefully, hopefully, pull off the three peat. But uh, it's going to be a challenge, you know, no practice again, and going back to the low down force package for Richmond um, that we raced there uh, two years ago. Uh, it's going to change things up, so we'll have to be uh, be ready for that and and um, and prepared. But uh, I know it'll be a good race. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, and best of luck this weekend. Thank you. Okay, our next question will come from Lee Spencer. Lee, go ahead. Thank you, and thank you for joining us, Martin. Um, having well, won a championship, um, I'm curious your take on Tony Stewart had a remarkable comeback in 2011. Is your teammate Kyle Busch, who has two championships under his belt, capable of doing the same thing, having had such a terrible regular season? Uh, yeah, I would say absolutely. I mean, I think if you look at, um, you know, you look at our organization, how strong, you know, it is. And, um, you know, you look at Kyle, what he's been able to do over the years. And, you know, um, they just, if they got hot, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, he's run well enough this year. He's, he's close that, you know, he probably should have a few wins if it wasn't for uh, some crazy things happening as well. So um, it's definitely a possibility. I mean, I, you know, I, I would say uh, I'm against it happening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm hoping that I'm the guy that does that. But it's definitely a possibility. Good luck to you and James this weekend. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we're going to take our next question. Let's see here from Stephen Toronto at 24-7 Sports. Go ahead, Stephen. Martin, I wanted to ask you this question, given that the Southern 500 is this weekend. As, as we talk about the 2021 schedule and future schedules, there's been a lot of conversation about maybe having more shorter races and having 500-mile uh, races like Daytona, like Darlington, like the Coke 600B more selective do you would you agree with having less 500 mile races on the schedule and do you think that that race distance should be pre uh, reserved for uh, marquee crown jewel events i mean I, in my opinion i mean i feel like there's a few races that you just can't change and um you know the darlington is one of them you know there's daytona 500 there's southern 500 um, there's Coke 600 and there's Brickyard 400 there. Those are those names and numbers go together. Right. So, um, I think absolutely there's, there's time for it and there's definitely opportunity for races to be shorter. I think, you know, this year as, as tough as it's been and, 
as unfortunate as it's been for uh, for so many people and and just for all of us really, um, but especially you know for the sport to try different things and get to see how they work with you know we would have never done no practice no qualifying ever it would it would have not happened if it wasn't for COVID and now we're talking about maybe next year doing some of these weekends. Um, you know, we would never run shorter races. We would never run midweek races. All these things that were never going to happen um, happened this year because of, um, you know, the virus. So as bad as it's been for everybody, there's been a little bit of opportunity for NASCAR um, to try things. And I think it, we've seen, you know, shorter races work. We've seen people enjoy those. And we've seen, you know, midweek races and, and, more, and double headers, all these things that have worked well. So I think, you know, the opportunity is there for all of them, but for all those things to happen in the future. Um, but there is a handful of races that need to stay um, the length that they are currently. Thank you, Martin. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take our next question here from, let's see, John Newby. Go ahead, John. Thank you. So yesterday, uh, Clint was talking about capturing momentum once you enter the playoffs, riding that wave to the championship. Considering that you've been potentially the most consistent driver all year long, does that play in your thinking and your strategy heading into the playoffs, or is that less of concern since it's just a new season? Uh, no, I definitely think that it's a positive thing, and I think it's something that we've looked at and, and you know, feel good about. Um, you know, in racing, um, you know, consistency is always a big key, you know, um, winning a race, you know, getting lucky, winning a race here or there uh, to get into the playoffs doesn't give you a great feeling that you can go win a championship, you know, running top three, top four every week gives you a great feeling about going to win a championship. Now um, it's easier to go from second or third to first than it is from, you know, 15th or 20th to first. So, it's uh, it's a good feeling. I, I feel, you know, again, I've been saying for weeks that I feel really, really good about our team and where we're at right now. And um, I feel as confident as I ever have coming into the playoffs. So um, definitely excited about the next 10 weeks and um, looking forward to, you know, making something happen. Perfect. Thank you, sir. And good luck. Thank you. Okay, we're going to continue here with a couple more questions. Our next question is going to come from Jeff with Empire Sports. Jeff, go ahead. Hi, Martin. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, you know or two or three about uh, making the final four in the NASCAR playoffs. So in your opinion, what's the one trait you need to make it into that final four? What is the one X factor in your opinion? Well, you got to be resilient. Um, there's going to be times throughout the playoffs where your back's against the wall, where, you know, you need to make something happen. And, um, you know, it's been, been the case for us you know, throughout the years, whether it's been, a, you know, a, a, a season where a lot of things have gone right or a season where some things have gone wrong. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, 10 races to get in and you got to be resilient. You're going to find, you know, face challenges at some point along the way. Thanks, Martin. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Okay. Our next question will come from Eric Smith, race for View Online. Go ahead, Eric. Uh, yeah, Martin. Um, Obviously, you said you're pretty confident coming in the playoffs, but is this one of the more pressure-packed playoffs but. with the playoff points? Um, <laughs> coming in with only 14 of those, does that almost make you have to be kind of perfect these first couple of rounds just to, to get through? 
Um, not really. I mean, I think, you know, the first couple rounds, you just, you don't want to beat yourself. And then, um, you know, obviously as it, as it narrows down, as the field gets stronger, um, you know, things become more difficult. It's harder to gain points, you know, as you whittle down the field, as the stronger guys rise, uh, you know, granted that, you know, if we're still one of them, um, you know, it's, it's hard to gain. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we've been in position before where, um, you know, the first in 2015, we made the final four without winning a race. We, we did it by consistency. We didn't have a lot of playoff points. We've been on the other side of it. We've had the most and, um, and didn't even need them. So I, I think, you know, that that's what I look at is the years that we were strong and we were consistent. We had a lot of playoff points. We didn't even have to use them. That's what gives me confidence is that hopefully we, we can repeat that and not need them. But yeah, you never know. I mean, certainly, uh, I would feel better to have them because it always gives you that, that thought of, Hey, we can have a mulligan here or there, right? If we have something crazy happens, um, you know, we can get through it and, you know, not having that is, is tougher to deal with for sure. There's no question about it. Thanks. Thank you. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Okay. We're going to take our next question from Kelvin with ROC sports. Kelvin, go ahead. Hey, Martin, just kind of touching up on that one right there. You have the 14 stage points going into the playoffs this year, but looking at the first three races of the playoffs, at Darlington, you have 55 stage points dating back to 2017. Then you have 84 at Richmond and then 32 at Bristol. How, how much confidence does that give you knowing at these three racetracks you're able to capitalize on gaining stage points in such a tight contested battle this year? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I hadn't really thought about it. Those are, uh, those are a lot of stage points though. So that's really, uh, that's a really cool thing to hear. Um, but I mean, honestly, I, I don't, I, I don't uh, really look at it that way. I just look at, you know, these are, you know, a couple of tracks where we can win for sure. And um, you know, it's time to execute. So let's go, uh, let's go get a win here in the first three. Thanks, Maureen. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Okay. We're going to take our next question from Scott Chancy. Scott, go ahead. Martin, what is the one thing you feel you can put your finger on that during these last few races, what's kept you from third and fourth place to first? What do you feel is going to have to do that one thing to get that win? Well, um, I guess it depends on which race, you know, I mean, there's been different things here and there. Um, you know, I think, if, you know, at times we haven't been the best car and at times, you know, we have been so, um, it's really not just been one thing. I think it's, it's a combination of things. We've had a few races where, um, you know, the strategy kind of got, um, you know, mixed up a little bit and, and we lost control of the race on a few of the races. I felt like we probably should have won. Um, but I think in general, you know, we've, we've pretty much, uh, you know, other than maybe two or three races optimized, you know, what we had and, and ran second or third. going to take our next question from Cole Casuno. Cole, go ahead. Thanks, Amanda. Hey, Martin. I want to look ahead to Phoenix and that new rules package. Uh, you ran well there in the spring and performed great at New Hampshire. How crucial is it for you guys to perform well and add to that notebook at Richmond next week, given the track similarities? And how confident are you uh, with what you already know with that package? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think it's important to, uh, to run well with the package. Uh, more so than it is to run well at Richmond. You know, I, I think Richmond and Phoenix are very, very different racetracks. I mean, 
um, I just I don't I don't see a lot uh, I don't see a lot of correlation there just because of Richmond you talk about you know high tire wear high fall off um, and and Phoenix you really don't have that so I, I think that's it's a lot different but I think running well with this package and have a confidence with it is is obviously a huge a huge deal so you know running well at New Hampshire is um, is probably you know closer resembling uh, to Phoenix and and the things you fight there so. Um, yeah, it feels good, uh, you know, to run well uh, in the spring race. I think, you know, Phoenix is a pretty, I would, I would say Phoenix is pretty unique in, in a, you know, mile type track and, and that you're probably going to lean on and think about uh, how you ran there in the spring more than any of the other tracks. So um, it was good to run well there. We ended up getting run over, but um, yeah, that's, that's part of racing. And, and we definitely weren't good enough to win. So we need to figure out how to, how to find more and, We've been close there um, with the low downforce package in the past. Um, we've run second. We've run third. We've led some laps here and there, but we've never been a dominant car. And, um, you know, we're obviously, if hopefully we'll be in the final four and, and have, to, have to, you know, figure this out. But, um, you know, it'd be nice to figure out how to, uh, you know, be the guy to beat there. Thank you, sir. Good luck. Thank you. Martin, we appreciate your time. Um, that's all the time we have for questions, but we appreciate it. And uh, you can go on to your next stop. You're welcome, Amanda. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Take care. We have you. Thanks for joining us today, Denny. All right, thanks. We appreciate it. Okay, we're going to get started with questions for Denny. Like I said, we do have um, a number of questions in the queue, so bear with us as we um, knock off as many as we can. To start, we're going to go to Bob Pockers. Bob, go ahead with your question. Penny, how worried are you about the possibility of getting COVID over the next 10 weeks? And are you doing anything additional to avoid it? Um, not doing anything additional. Um, whatever I've been doing, has been successful. Um, you know, obviously you don't want to go anywhere new. Um, I would say, but I mean, you know, I think that we've got a good process. Uh, I monitor, um, kind of my my health and whatnot uh through some stuff that i have so i, I think that uh I'm, I'm not really too concerned about it but obviously uh anything can happen so you just you never know all right we're going to take our next question from jenna Fryer. jenna go ahead denny um the last two years you've been able to put really complete seasons from start to finish together. Is that confidence or maturity? What, what, what besides Gabe Hart has been the difference in the last two years? Well, I mean, just a lot of stuff has changed uh, on and off the racetrack. I think that we've just, um, you know, I've changed a little bit uh, as a driver. Uh, I've just adapted uh, quite a bit as well. So, I mean, it's tough to say what what automatically has just flipped the switch and and made the results be what they've been over the last uh, you know two years or you know less than two years. But certainly uh, there's a process that we we put in to preparing for each week that uh, is working for us. It's working for me, um, and we're we're just you know me and Chris have just kind of got a thing going that's that's working for us. I don't really know what it is but i just know that you know we're performing at tracks that uh necessarily haven't statistically been uh strong suits for us and uh each and every week we're, we're contending for the race win so i, I just I, I don't know why that is but it just it's happening 
Are you any different? I would say so. I mean, I, I know that I am. I mean, from the start of 2009, January 2019 to now, no question. There's there's a lot of changes that have happened um, on and off the track that's attributed, I'm sure. Thanks, Danny. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question, we'll go to Jeff Gluck. Jeff, go ahead with your question. Denny, uh, who is a dark horse uh, team that could surprise people with a little run in these playoffs? Um, you know, I don't know if it's a dark horse, but, you know, probably Blaney. If I had to guess, um, I think that he shows the most speed when he is. When he's on on the speed, he's, he's really on. Uh, I think of, like, Texas, where I thought he was significantly faster than just everybody. Um, yeah, I think we were the next best car, but he's just a guy that, you know, I look at as, you know, he has the ability to make it through each round. Um, and, and perhaps, you know, I don't know how many final four brackets he might be in. I would say, uh, if I had to guess of, of everyone that fills one out, he's probably in 5% of them, maybe. But I think legitimately, I think he has a much, much better shot at that of, of making it through. Perfect. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to take our next question from, let's see here, Dustin Albino, go ahead with your question. Yeah, Denny, thanks for your time today. Uh, you obviously had a bunch of playoff points, but the second round of the playoffs has got the rule on Talladega. So how unpredictable is that? It's a lot. I mean, what I look at when it comes to the second round is I want to have a really good race at, at Las Vegas. And hopefully if I build upon uh, my point lead over the cut line um, after Vegas, then I'll race Talladega just as normal as I normally would. If not, maybe I change my, the way that I, I do things. Uh, I think every driver's strategy will be a little bit different given their particular situation. And, and I think you have to change your strategy based off of where you are. You can't, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you never change anything. Well, you're not going to be successful if you never change anything. So you have to be able to adapt to your situation and, uh, and, and plan and strategize accordingly. So those are very volatile races. It's ones that you feel like you can go win either one, but you also know you can go out there and run 20th in both of them or worse. So it's, uh, you, you got to make sure you, you put yourself in a good position before you get there. Thanks, Denny. Mm -hmm. Okay, next question from Dustin Long. Dustin, go ahead with your question. Thank you. Uh, Denny, what are you curious to see, uh, either with you and your team or just overall in the playoffs? What are you curious to see coming up these next few weeks? Well, I want to see how we do in the first round. I want to see, um, you know, these are historically really good tracks for me. Um, I think that uh, I want to see our momentum continue. I don't want it to, you know, we're not going to race any differently, especially in the first round. Um, I think that yeah, I'm going to be very aggressive. I'm going to try to get more wins. Uh, I just want to see who shows up um, from the competition standpoint that, you know, maybe people have slept on or maybe hasn't shown everything they had uh, until the playoffs started. Um, I think that, that there will be one or two guys that, find a way to run significantly better than what they have shown during the regular season. And uh, it, we're, we're going to have to step up our game accordingly to that. 
Okay, we're going to take our next question from Jordan Bianchi. Jordan, go ahead. Uh, Denny, how long did it take you to get over Homestead last year? Um, how much did it sting? And what were the conversations like with Chris Gabart afterward? Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't even talk about Homestead. Um, I think it was probably right around Daytona time uh, this year uh, when we were just talking kind of football and, you know, what we were doing, you know, this year uh, coming up and our strategy for the first part of the season, going through all the analytics uh, from the past season. And he's like, you know, are you not going to ask me why I put a piece of tape, that big piece of tape on your car? I was like, no, I mean, that I assumed you had a reason for it. So I just, uh, I figured it is what it is. There's nothing I can do about it. All I can do is go out there and, uh, you know, drive as fast as I can every single lap and tell you the information that you need to, to make the car go faster. Uh, I did what I felt like all I could do to win the championship and it just, you know, it didn't work out. Uh, I knew that he's an aggressive guy that goes for it. Uh, so I don't, you know, I, I like I said, I, I knew that there was some sort of reason why he did what he did. Um, and, and I wasn't going to fault him for it. So, um, it didn't take me any time to get over it. We had a great year. We came off a winless season before to a six-win season that year. Uh, we won the uh, must-win situation at Phoenix that we needed to to get to the Final Four. So, I, um, yeah, I, I, it didn't take me any time to get over it. And especially, you know, it showed we won the Daytona 500 again uh, this year. So, uh, we, we've continued our momentum regardless of what happened in the final race. A quick follow-up. Did you ask him to tail, you know, scale back his aggressiveness or anything, or you want him to continue to be as aggressive as he was? No, I want him to stay that way. I think that that, you know, his he's very aggressive with strategy and things like that. Uh, I, I do not want him to, you know, play it safe unless he sees an opportunity for. Hey, if we play it safe here, we're guaranteeing some sort of result that we need. Uh, that would be the only time that I would like to see uh, him scale back, but I, I don't think yeah, it would be tough for that to actually happen. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Pete Acabelli. Pete, go ahead. Danny, obviously racing's come a long way since the last time you guys were at Darlington. Back then in May, did you have some concerns, questions, worries about whether we'd even get to this point in the season? Yeah, I mean, I had concerns, um, but I also was pretty confident that we were going to get back to racing, you know, probably quicker than other uh, sports, simply because we were not a, a contact sport when it comes to player to player. So we have an advantage over other sports in that aspect. So finding a way to make it safe, finding uh, protocols to put in place to keep us separated from each other uh, certainly um, has, has played a factor in and, uh, and us being able to go back and be one of the first sports back and now catching up our schedule to you know, a regular schedule program now that we start uh, our playoffs. So NASCAR leadership's done a, a really good job of um, doing that and, and putting everything in place for us to get to this point. And now we just need to assume that this, is no, no, this season's no different other than the lack of practice um, that we're going to have through the playoffs. And uh, we'll just go from there. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Chase Wilhelm with NASCAR.com. Go ahead, Chase. Hey, Danny, thanks for joining us. Um, the big thing that stuck out between you and Kevin Harvick this season 
uh, with all the success is the mutual respect that you guys have for each other as well as the 14 and the 11 team uh, while you guys are battling hard for wins each and every week. So what's that experience been like from your perspective? And do you anticipate that changing at all between you and Harvick with the pressure of the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. Um, simply because the championship is won in the final race where I think that this was a 10-week playoff where the champion was crowned after his 10-race performance. Um, then, yeah, there's maybe an opportunity there for, for head games or whatever it might be, uh, even though I think we're, we're pretty much old and too old for that. So I think, you know, we have a lot of respect between each other. Our teams do as well. We, we, we're going to battle each other at some point in these playoffs. Um, but we, we know that, you know, we both need to make it to the, I think the right thing, the right scenario is that we're at Phoenix together, battling it out for the championship. And, you know, there's a lot of work that's got to get done to get us to that point, but that's probably the right thing when it, when you think about what, how a championship should be crowned. Um, but our format's a little different. Uh, you just, you got to go out and win that final one. So. Uh, I don't think that uh, we will race each other any different than what we have all season long. And, uh, you know, the only time that it would ever change would be in that final race. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Tim with the Richmond Times. Tim, go ahead. Good afternoon, Denny. Uh, from a driver's perspective, what has it been like at the tracks without fans? And, and what do you expect it'll be like for you when you come to Richmond, given that it's your home track? Yeah, it's different. I mean, it's certainly not ideal, but, you know, we we're still able to, you know, put out a product on Sundays that, that people enjoy and it's entertaining. So, uh, yeah, our sport probably looks as good or, or, or as, it, as it did before. Um, it shows well on TV, even though there's no one in the stands. Um, the on-track action is no different. Um, so I, I certainly, you know, it, it stinks that they're not there because I wish that the fans could enjoy kind of that playoff atmosphere, but also, um, you know, understand that we, we've got to keep everyone safe. And um, on the racetracks that we do have fans, uh, you can feel that energy. You really can, even though it's just a few thousand people. Uh, it, that little bit does matter, uh, and, and you can certainly feel the intensity is just a little bit different before and after a race. So um, we're, we're hoping that they get back to, this, to a racetrack soon. Um, we, we certainly enjoy, um, you know, having them around. Uh, so it's, it, that's why we're out here doing this, right, is to entertain them. So um, it sucks we're only doing it on TV right now, but uh, pretty soon hopefully we'll have them back in full capacity. Thank you. Okay, we're gonna take our next question from Darren Haynes. Darren, go ahead. Hey, Denny, uh, Darren Haynes in Washington, D.C. Uh, one of the things about you when you were gonna race in Richmond, um, can you explain why that's one of your favorite tracks, but also the fact that it's on a Saturday and you're gonna get the opportunity to watch Washington's football team week one? <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite tracks for one good reason is it's 30 minutes from kind of where I grew up. Um, and we, we used to go out there and watch 
you know, the races, every time NASCAR would come in town, me and my family went out to Richmond and watched them. Um, it, it, you know, even though it's three quarters of a mile in length, it really drives like a lot of the short tracks that I grew up racing on where you got to have your car handling a certain way. You got to have turn good. You got to have good forward bite off the corner. It drives like a true short track. And so that's what I enjoy about it the most, uh, that, and obviously the success that we've had there, uh, those three things, um, makes me excited every time I, I, I roll through the tunnel there. I just want to follow up on uh, having that opportunity that Sunday now to go and watch Washington's football team uh, week one that Sunday. What are your thoughts on the team mm -hmm. this year? Yeah, it's um, it, it's awesome to, to, that that football is going to be able to happen. It, it looks like, you know, crossing our fingers, the things change day to day. But um, I, I'm excited for it. Um, you know, obviously, uh, they made a lot of changes uh, within that organization itself, uh, even beyond the players. So excited to see where kind of kind of where it goes this year and um you know I, I always kind of temper my expectations i like to have low expectations and then let's beat it you know i don't like to oversell anything so let's just uh let's be patient and see how this thing turns out thanks danny I thank you a question from Koki riley with the arizona central go ahead Thanks for joining us, Denny. Um, so we may be months away from the final playoff race of the season in Phoenix, uh, but I just wanted to hear what you believe makes Phoenix Raceway a unique racing experience. Well, I, I like Phoenix Raceway in particular because, you know, they really, you know, invested in that racetrack for the fans uh, and their experience. Um, you know, a lot of money has got put into there from the fan zone inside the racetrack around victory lane to the kind of the midway there as, as well. And the fans have always come out to that racetrack in full force, even when it's just a regular season race. So I, it's very deserving to be the championship race itself. Um, so I'm, I'm, I always look forward to going to that racetrack and uh, it's like, like Richmond, it drives, very much like a short track. And so uh, you got to bring your A game if you're going to go win there. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Lee Spencer. Lee, go ahead. Thank you. Denny, just curious, you talked about earlier somebody getting hot and making a run for it in the playoffs. Could that driver be coming from under your own roof as in Kyle Busch? Do you see him making a Tony Stewart-esque type of run like Smoke did in 2011? It's possible. I mean, it's absolutely possible. I mean, I think we even saw it last year, right? I mean, he was the least championship favorite going into the final four and he won the race and he's champion. So it just, you know, anything can happen um, in our sport, especially the way this format plays out. So you just, uh, you do everything you can for the, for the, for 35 weeks, you put yourself in good position and then you just hope and pray that things work out for you in that final race. Uh, so you can be a champion, but um, certainly believe that, you know, I know that he's got racing winning equipment. Um, you know, yeah. Are they off key right now? Yes. A, a little bit, but certainly if, if anyone has a chance to, to get hot, yes, it certainly could be Kyle uh, and his team. So they know what they're doing. They've got championship pedigree. Uh, they know how to get through these, these 10 weeks. They've shown, many, many times by making it to the final four, even when they haven't been at their best, 
So um, certainly uh, it's a team that will be a threat. Appreciate your time. Good luck to you and Gabe Hart this weekend. Thank you. All right, Denny, we, that's all the time we have for today. So we appreciate you joining us um, and we wish you the best of luck this weekend. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right, Kyle, can you hear us? Yep, I got you. All right, we're gonna roll straight into questions. Thank you again for joining us today. Um, we are gonna start with Bob Pockers. Bob, go ahead with your question. Yeah, Kyle, I'm curious if you'll be doing anything additional to just protect yourself from COVID over the next 10 weeks. You know, I know, see you at the karting track, so I don't know like if you take certain precautions there that maybe you wouldn't also take elsewhere. Um, no, I mean, I think that uh, everything that I've learned and I've heard and I've gone through with all the NASCAR stuff and the Joe Gibbs racing stuff as far as protocols and such, um, you know, we're, we're doing what we can do and what we need to do. And I feel like it's, um, it's so far been no issue and hopefully it continues that way and we can be as safe as possible to keep, keep racing each week. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Mark Garrow with PRN. Go ahead, Mark. Thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us, Kyle. Yesterday, your brother talked about both of you going into the playoff winless um, and the pressure to you know get a win before the end of the season. He thought there might be a little extra on you because it was important to you that you kept your consecutive season streak alive. How important is that streak to you? I mean, it's really important. Think about it. You know, it's a 16-year investment that uh, that we've placed on on that being able to win a race in 16 consecutive seasons. So hopefully, we can keep that going, and um, you know, and and get it to uh, 17, and then to 18, and however many that I'm here. It would be nice that uh, that I'm capable of winning races all the way throughout my career each and every year that I'm that I'm out there. So uh, this year has just not lended itself to our favor so far. But um, you know what? The playoffs start now, and we're still in this thing. We've got an opportunity to go out here, obviously being on the bottom side of the spectrum rather than the top side of the spectrum entering the playoffs. Uh, it's going to be a certain uh, different playoff for us than we're used to, but I'm um, looking forward to the challenge. And uh, if we can win it this year, then there's no reason why uh, any year we should ever not have an opportunity to win it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Dustin Long. Dustin, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, Kyle, um, obviously you've had bigger tests in, in your cup career, obviously the 2015 and, and what you went through and winning the championship. But I'm curious uh, with all the things, even with the times where you run well this year at times, how has this year tested you and challenged you in, in a way that's maybe different than anything in your career? Yeah, no, this year's definitely been um, one of the, the biggest tests I feel like I've been through. 2015, yeah, I mean, I, I was injured and I was on the sideline and I wasn't sure if I was ever going to come back and was able to come back and then struggled for, for five weeks, you know, just getting a footing and then finally being able to win again at, um, at Sonoma and right, right there it just lit a fire under us. And that was the rest, that was all it took for the rest of the year to be, um, you know, a championship contender and, and a guy to go out there to, uh, to compete with his team and, and to, to be the best of all of them. Um, but this year, yeah, I mean, it's been uh, nothing but something else that's in the back of your mind, like what's going to happen next and what's the next thing that's going to test your patience. And um, just seems like we can't shake this monkey off our back, man. Wherever, wherever he is, whatever he looks like, somebody tell me. And, um, you know, we're going to go for a few roll arounds here and um, get him off my back in order to be able to go out here and have a, a solid, successful, productive uh, final 10 weeks. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Claire B. Lane. Claire, go ahead. 
Thank you, Kyle. Last night on the radio, a listener said when we were talking about dark horses that you would be a dark horse. You would be a dark horse. And all the discussion was like a dark horse is someone that you don't know who they are or how good they are. And they kind of know that about you. And on the Zoom calls today, a lot of people were asking about who the dark horse was and if indeed that would be you. So my question to you is, do you consider yourself a dark horse or do you think not? Um, I mean, yeah, with the way this year's gone, you just uh, you just never know. I mean, certainly we're not a, a title front runner. We're not a favorite. Um, you know, we are on the bottom of the spectrum and we're on the outside looking in. So, um, you know, I guess that would categorize us as being a dark horse or, um, you know, definitely being um, one that is not uh, in the in the talks or included in the discussions of um, you know making it to um, you know the round of twelve or for that matter the round of eight, um, but realistically, man, all you got to do is is win a race in each of these rounds, and and you do that, and you put yourself right into the championship four, and now all of a sudden a, a crappy twenty twenty season is all of a sudden a, a championship year or can be have the potential to be given everything go right in Phoenix. So um, the the Everything's wide open, and you're still in it until you're not. Good luck this weekend. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Jenna Fryer. Jenna, go ahead. Hey, Kyle. I wanted to ask you this as a team owner. Um, in time, in the, in the COVID-19 times, how difficult, or is maybe it isn't, is it to get sponsorship? And with the way that access is at the track and you don't have that, to offer to potential partners. Is that hurting you? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, fact of the matter is it's definitely hurting us. You know, one of the, the best sponsors we have at Kyle Busch Motorsports with uh, Safe Flight Auto Glass is their opportunity and ability to be able to bring their customers, also their um, um, their guys, um, their workers that, that do all the, the safety glass fixing and uh, repairing to the racetrack. And they don't have that opportunity to them right now and available to them. So we've certainly had uh, some discussions with those guys about what's going on with, uh, with, their, with their business and, and um, also Toyota TRD, they've been a huge benefit in that relationship too, where uh, they've been actually able to offer them, um, you know, some assistance on some, some projects and some work and some stuff like that. So, um, but no, no question, there's definitely been partners that uh, have come to the table and, and um, asked for some, some concessions on this season and not being able to promote as well and also to bring guests and consumers to the track. As far as being a driver, I, I know that you guys have talked about what it's like not having fans there, but just the infield itself being empty, how different is the atmosphere? It's quiet, you know, it's just, you, you roll in on race morning and there's nobody around. I mean, uh, it's, it's just really quiet. It just seems like every track we've gone to is pretty much been a ghost town, um, you know, but, we know how well these tracks flourish and um, how uh, successful they've been when we get good crowd counts. And I'm sure all the, the, the people that want to come to the races are just itching at the opportunity to be able to do so once everybody, um, you know, gets that, that, um, that release or that it's safe enough for everybody to come back to the track. So we're hoping that's sooner than later. Thanks, Kyle. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Jeff Gluck. Jeff, go ahead. Hi, Kyle. Along the lines of Claire's question, um, aside from yourself, who is another dark horse that you think people should watch as these playoffs unfold? Um, I don't know where the dark horse line is. You know, um, 
Truex obviously has gotten what seven second, third place finishes in a row here lately. So, um, but he doesn't have a whole lot of playoff points. He's only got one win. So he's kind of, you know, not on the outside looking in, obviously, but he's definitely a guy that um, him and myself included aren't aren't up there with the likes of Kevin or Danny with the amount of playoff points. So um, he could be a guy. But if you look further down the totem pole, who could be one? Um, I guess Eric Almirola probably. You know, he's um, he's one that could uh, could pop up any time, being with the SHR guys and being as fast as they've been each week, um, having an opportunity where he's shown. Um, you know, glimpses of speed throughout the season. Cool, thank you. Okay, we're gonna take our next question from Lee Spencer. Lee, go ahead. Thank you. Kyle, you sound a lot more upbeat than Tony Storr did going into the 2011 playoffs. Do you feel you can get a run like he did and upset the two favorites right now? <laughs> I don't know what changed in his year or what happened, um, you know, but uh, anything's possible for sure. I mean, we, we've seen it done before. Maybe there's another way of being able to do it again, but um, this time it certainly will be different than what his time was um, or any time that I've ever been in the playoffs under this structure. Uh, being on the outside looking in to try to get uh, get through each round. So um, the opportunities there, uh, I, that is certainly where we're, we are at is, is a Tony Stewart type performance here in the final 10 weeks. We'll certainly get it done. And uh, the last time I checked, we're, we're still last year's reigning champions. So we've got that opportunity to be able to do that. We've got the, the team behind us, the crew chief, uh, the sponsors, everybody that, um, you know, we, we can make anything happen. We just got to go out there and do it. Appreciate your time, champ. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna take our next question from Davey Siegel. Davey, go ahead. Hey, Kyle. Um, based off that question, does seeing what Tony did back in 2011 and also how this playoff format is super reliant on, you know, what have you done for me lately? Does that give you any more positivity or hope for the next 10? Uh, certainly it does. Um, you know, definitely the first round for sure. You know, I look at Darlington as that's a place we can go to. We can run top five pretty good there. Uh, Richmond, Bristol, those are great opportunities for us to score a victory. So those, those you know, you get two stage wins and a win at, uh, at Richmond and Bristol both, and boom, you're right back in the playoff picture. That would probably shoot us up to fourth or fifth, I believe, on the, the playoff point structure. So that would give us a, a good opportunity to be right back in the ballpark. Um, you know, but obviously coming into that second round, um, we struggle at Vegas. Talladega is an unknown. We struggle at the Roval. So, sorry, that is uh, that is definitely a, a race. The um, um, a round that uh, that we look towards as being a possible um, pickup. Well, thank you. Okay, we're going to go to our next question from Koki Riley from the Arizona Arizona Central. Go ahead. Thank you for taking my question. Um, so what was your reaction to when you heard the news that the Cup Series Championship would be held in Phoenix? Uh, I mean, I was obviously kind of um, not shocked, but understanding of it, I guess. You know, it's um, it, it's another NASCAR track. It's a, it's a flourishing market for us. Um, you know, the last few years that they've been doing renovations at that place have really made it very fan-friendly. So it makes sense for them to have – um, as much opportunity to be able to, to sell tickets and to sell infield tickets and, and passes to the fan zone and all that sort. So obviously this year, not being able to have much of that, it kind of, um, you know, takes the wind out of the sails, if you will, for, for what would or could have been this year. Um, but obviously it'll get back uh, in the future and, and it'll be 
a place uh, of success for the fans. But, um, you know, the on-track action, the racing aspect of it, it was a bit shocking to me just because Homestead is such a racy place and you can kind of run all over that track and there's really good racing on restarts and stuff. But there also is at Phoenix too on restarts. So um, that argument can go both ways. Um, you know, guys, people would say that, uh, you know, Phoenix, once you kind of get strung out, it gets strung out. Um, but when I've seen it get strung out, I've also seen the likes of Logano be fast and Chase Elliott be fast, the 18 be fast, the 11, the 19, the four, um, somebody else in there as well too, the 12 that, that have shown glimpses of speed. So, um, any opportunity for any of those guys to get out front and, um, and that would certainly, um, you know, be a good, good thing for any of them to be able to win a championship, I guess. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Michael Shelton. Michael, go ahead. Thank you very much. Well, Kyle, kind of following up on Claire's question of being considered a dark horse, you were certainly an underdog heading into the final race at Homestead last year, and, of course, you won the championship. I was just curious, do you think you – do you prefer being in the position of being an underdog and flying under the radar heading into the playoffs as compared to previous years where – you were the top dog and you had a target on your back and everybody was gunning for you. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, certainly I guess I look back to 2015 and we were kind of underdog in 2015 also because people just, ace they said that we shouldn't even be there. We, you know, we shouldn't be eligible because I, I had to miss 11 weeks because of my injuries, but then was able to win our way into the playoffs and be in the top 30 in points and all that. So we met all the requirements, but we went into that late, that last race with the underdog mentality, like, Hey, However we come out of this, it's great. You know, we were here, we were in the final four. That's cool. Um, you know, and then last year, kind of the same thing. We weren't on a winning streak or anything. We kind of uh, flew under the radar. We were, um, you know, an underdog, if you will, in that final, that final race, and we won again. So if that's what it takes to win these things, then sure, sign me up. Um, put me in that underdog spot, and let's go get it done. Thank you. Good luck. Thanks. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Eric Smith. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, thanks for uh, taking my question. Uh, Kyle, I'm just curious, eight of the ten playoff tracks you guys have been to already this year, how much did you and Adam learn that can, might be able to help offset the, the lack of practice we're going to have in these playoffs? And, and how important is it for you guys to unload uh, really on top of your game, knowing how good stage points are going to be for you this first round? I mean, it's really going to be important because, you know, starting the race off strong, you're, you're starting the race with all the rest of your championship contenders that you're racing against. So to be able to get those points – right out of the gate, it's going to be hard to do, um, you know, because you're all starting right around each other. So there's really not a lot of opportunity at some of these places for pit stops or um, chances to work on your car in the, in the first stage to get those points. That's probably been our biggest detriment this year is even if we did have an opportunity to start up front, we would fall out of the top 10 to get any of those points, to have an opportunity to get points, um, not even stage wins, but just to get points for that matter. And and right now, those, those points, you can still point your way through this first round, um, but you're going to need some wins also. But, um, you know, being able to have success racing against your, the rest of the title contenders is, is certainly going to be a, a big challenge. And how much did you learn from the eight tracks that are in the playoffs from the regular season? Yeah, uh, good question. So, um, you know, like Darlington, we ran we, – we were going to finish probably third or fourth in the first race before we had a loose wheel at the end. That relegated us to, I think, 21st or 22nd place, maybe even worse than that. Um, and then the second race, we were going to run probably second or third in that one. 
and we finished second um, with the, the rain that came there at the end, obviously. So I feel like Darlington's a, an okay place, but uh, what I'm looking at there is just how we were, how we unloaded in the first one, how we were able to achieve on the second one, and then now going back there a third time. Everybody's had the same time on the track and the same opportunity to work on their setups and kind of tweak everything. So we're not the only ones. Everybody else is going to be making improvements as well, too. Uh, so we've, we've definitely got to be good at, uh, at what we're reading in the simulation and, and what that's telling us and understanding sometimes the sim will lie to you. You got to know when it's telling you a lie. It's not going to tell you it's telling you a lie. You can't read it in the eyes and, and listen to its mouth, but um, you got to read the squiggly lines. Thanks, Kyle. Good luck this weekend, man. Thanks. Okay, we're going to take our next question from Kelvin with ROC Sports. Kelvin, go ahead. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Kyle, for taking time up today. Uh, so you've kind of hit on it before. You uh, coming up at Darlington, Richmond, and Bristol. At Darlington, you're 30 stage points. Going back to 2017, Richmond, you're at 50 stage points. And at Bristol, you're at 47. So you said you could point your way in, but I'm looking at Bristol particularly being the cutoff race. You had a chance without practice to go out there and run the all-star race. You were running down Chase Elliott there at the end. How important is Bristol to you being the cutoff race, knowing that you've had that little extra practice at night at Bristol here this year already? Well, I mean, it's just a, a personal vendetta, right? You know, you go to Bristol and you're like, damn, that's my track. I'm going to go there. I'm going to win that thing. So um, I, I look at Richmond a little bit kind of the same way. I mean, we've just always run well at Richmond. We always finish, well, not always, but we, we tend to run top five there. We have shots for wins. So um, I'd like to think, you know, with the lower downforce package that that suits us. And uh, But there's also been other guys that have been fast in that in that package as well this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if we can win two stages and, and win the race at Richmond and Bristol, I mean, damn, we're back in the thick of things for the second round, you know? So, um, that's certainly obtainable. I would love for that to happen. Um, but there's a lot of other competitors out there that are going to say, say otherwise. So we just got to work for it. Thanks Kyle. Good luck this weekend. Thanks. Okay, we're going to take another question from Steven with 24-7 Sports. Go ahead, Steven. Kyle, I wanted to ask you this question because it's the week of the Southern 500. <clears throat> We've had so many discussions about the 2021 schedule and maybe having uh, not as many 500-mile or 500-lap races in the future. What do you think of maybe having less races at that distance and do you think that that 500-mile mark should be reserved for races like Daytona, like Darlington, like the Coke 600 in the future? Um, yeah, I mean, as, as I've seen it this year, you know, we've run some of these doubleheader weekends with, uh, with shorter races. And to be honest with you, it's, uh, for, for us being a little bit off at the start of these races, it's like right at, right at the end, right on that last set of tires, it's like, damn, we finally just got it. So it's like, man, I wish I had one more run, you know? So these races to me, like even if they're 311 or 330 miles, whatever some of them have been this year, um, to me, it's kind of like, hmm, that's, that's, that's almost too short, you know? So um, I don't think 400 miles is, is too long, but certainly uh, the 500 mile races, we don't need to be adding more 500 mile races. If we are adding races, they, they, they do need to be a bit more towards the, the 400 range, 350, 400 range. And, um, you know, that's just my opinion, but that, that's kind of how I look at it. The, the upper echelon races like, uh, like Darlington, uh, the Coke 600, you know, the Daytona 500, like those races, they, they should stay those lengths. I don't think there's anything wrong with the, having a few of those. Got it. Thank you, Kyle. 
Okay, we're going to go to Alex Andrea. Alex, go ahead with your question. Hey there, Kyle. I, I apologize if this question was already previously asked, but um, you know, your brother mentioned yesterday that you were probably putting more pressure on yourself heading into these playoffs to try to get that race win. And so I'm wondering kind of how would you describe what your emotions are right now going into playoffs? Is it stress? Is it motivation, frustration? How are you feeling? Yep. Keep going. There's plenty <laughs> more adjectives. Keep going. Um, I mean, yeah, just, you know, it's definitely, um, it's all those things. It's frustrating. It's aggravating. It's, um, you know, it's kind of a letdown. You're, you're wondering what's wrong. You're wondering where to look, um, you know, what rock to look under to, to, to turn things around. And um, it's just crazy, you know, the, the way this year's gone for us and just unforeseen circumstances, really. Um, being one of the, the fastest cars at Daytona, leading the race, being up front when the time matters, both in the Daytona 500 and in, the, in the, this last race we just ran, um, we blew up in the first one and we got crashed out in this one. So any, anything can happen. So that's just, that's racing. That's a part of life. But um, yeah, the, the fact of trying to be able to come out of this year with a victory um, is certainly high on the list. That might be number one on the list, actually, even more so than, than winning the championship just with the way this year's gone. But um, anything can happen. We just got to keep fighting through it and working through it. And, you know, myself and Adam, you know, we can, we can get down on each other or down on our team or whatever as much as possible. But man, in all reality, we're last year's champions. Like we know how to do this. We've done it. We've been there. We've lived through the stresses and everything that it takes week in and week out to be top performers at this level. And um, there's nothing that, that doesn't say that it can't turn back up in the right direction for us. Thank you. Okay, we're gonna take our next question from Dustin Albino. Dustin, go ahead. Yeah, Kyle, non-cup playoff question, but the truck series, uh, Christian's sixth right now in points. How would you kind of assess where he's at as the playoffs about to begin in a few weeks? Um, you know, he was doing really good those last few weeks of uh, getting some good runs in and, and running up front, being consistent and uh, being in contention. And um, that, that's where you got to be. You just have to be in contention each week. And with our equipment and our opportunities that I feel like our stuff is capable of, uh, that was, a, that was a, a good stretch that he was on. Again, he was running, I think, third, second or third at, uh, at Gateway before we had a drive shaft problem. So obviously there's, um, there's an equipment malfunction on that one, not his doing. And, um, you know, I, they have no playoff points like myself. So they're going to start the, the playoffs behind and and they're going to have to be successful and, uh, and run up front to be able to transfer through their rounds as well. But, um, you know, he's, he's been a, a good competitor. I ran with him at Texas when I was in the truck. So I, I hope that he's ready and prepared and um, can go get him this weekend at Darlington. Thanks for your time, Kyle. Okay, Kyle, one final question um, to close us out that was sent through the chat is just on um, Ricky's and how, um, if you can kind of describe just, you know, what it's like to really go from – the truck and Xfinity series up into the cup series when you're a rookie in um, the cup series this season, specifically without practice and um, things like that. It's hard. Uh, it's really hard. You know, the, the cup level is such a step beyond what the Xfinity level is and even what the, what the truck level is. So there's a lot there um, that these guys uh, just haven't been, been accustomed to or ready for. So that, that's definitely a, a big step, but um, you know, I feel like Cole obviously getting a win that that cemented himself in the playoffs, which was good for him and his team. Uh, Christopher, I feel like has had moments of, of speed and brightness and, and has shown good speed. Same with Redick. Um, you know, so it's a matter of learning and learning these cars without practice. And that's tough. Um, but you get out there and you race with the competitors and you do the best you can with what you got. And again, hopefully, uh, 
hopefully we can get back to normal here soon. Um, I guess next year, right? And um, the sooner the better for, for all of that to be able to work on your, uh, your chemistry with your team, um, you know, your crew chief. And, and even though they've all kind of moved up with their Xfinity crew chief, this is a different level and a different talk that you got to speak. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of had them a little bit uh, more behind the eight ball. All right, Kyle, we appreciate your time. We wish you the best of luck this weekend in Darlington. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. And to all the media who are here, thank you for joining us today and um, for joining us yesterday as well. We will have a recording from today's session available on NASCARmedia.com. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to our team. Um, and we thank you again for your time today, and we look forward to chatting with you over the weekend. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Track Smack Smackcast. Check out more at tracksmackradio.com.